Hello, and welcome to episode 99 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for drunken Magic the Gathering arena content. That's right. Basically, just a couple of regular dudes drinking some irregular beers talking about Magic the Gathering. In particular, our online client arena, except today. Yes, today is a drunken Vorthos episode. Mm, Really one of our favorites. Um, Definitely. So this time, normally, when we're doing a drunken Vorthos, we will be talking about the main story uh, when it comes to the magic story. However, this time's a little bit different. While reading through some of the short stories that they have on the Mothership website, we decided that instead of doing the main story, we were going to do the Brothers War side stories. Uh, they just seemed more relevant to what we actually wanted to talk about. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of interesting. Like, I think of it as like the main storyline, but progressing in two different like space times, Mm -hmm. I guess. This one happened to be the one that is full of characters that we know and is like, it ties in with the main plot a little more. Yeah. The overarching plot. So if we wanted to talk about one of them, this seems like the one we wanted to talk about more. For sure. Uh, Yeah. But as always, it couldn't be a Drunken Vorthos episode without a Silver Series. So Jeff, what's a Silver Series? All right, as our fans know, here on the Arena Regulars, we rate our beers on a scale of bronze to mythic, just like the tiers in Arena. And on that scale, a silver beer represents something that is either not particularly interesting, but um, generally it represents a macro brew, so your Budweiser's and the like. So for a silver series, what we do is we take these macro brews and we pit them against each other, so we'll have four macro brews on the show today. And then we will rate them best to worst, or I guess worst to best. We will rate them from silver four to silver one, with silver one being the best. And uh, this is like a little tournament that we have going on. So we've done enough of these now that we have proceeded to the second round of competition. So we will take, uh, well, we've spread it up a little bit, but we've taken two winners and two runner-ups from... Uh, four of our previous Silver Series, and those are the beers competing for the spotlight tonight. That's right. And the beer we're drinking right now is none other than Bud Light. Bud Light Lear to the rescue. Um, This is obviously a lager from the USA. It's 4% in Canada, but normally 4.2% in the US. It was founded in 1982, and previously on the show... In the episode it was rated, I rated it silver one and Jeff rated it silver two. So um, this was actually a winner, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, you'll have to figure out which episode it was to dig up what it was against in that episode. So go find that if you're interested. Uh, but we'll see if Bud Light can make it to the end. Uh, before we get started, we do have some regular news. Um I just want to say this is our last episode before our break for the holidays. So, oh man, yeah, yeah, we got. Uh, I'm going to be flying away doing something, and obviously Jeff has family stuff. Everybody's got family things, so we are going to be just taking some times for ourselves, uh, and we'll be back in the new year for our 100th episode. Wow! 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 <laughs> so we have something really special planned for that. You may have seen a little bit of it on our Instagram today. 
So uh, if you haven't, go check that out. If not, go check it out. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, also if, you know, you have any questions or anything, find us on Instagram and Twitter at Arena Regulars or our Discord channel, which the link is in the bio, bio, yeah, show notes below the episode. uh, If you have any questions that you want to ask for our 100th episode. If not... You're too tuned in to Instagram with the link in the bio stuff. Yeah, (laughs) I know. It's like... Ugh, just rolls right off the tongue. Anyway, none of that stuff. blah 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 We're drinking Bud Light, and we're talking Magic the Gathering, the Brothers' War side stories. <sighs> Written by Reinhardt Suarez. I just want to mention before we jump into the stories okay. that I love these Silver series. Mm-hmm. They're some of my favorites that we do on the show. Like, I also like when we just get really awesome craft beers in. Um, but I think... The Silver Series really show that, A, you know, we'll drink anything. It's true. <laughs> we love beer. We're not beer, like, snobs. We're just beer geeks. Um, but also, it's just so interesting because everyone has an idea of, oh, I don't like Bud Light, and I do like whatever, Coors Light or whatever. Um, but until you actually just try them back to back to back, like, it really has changed my opinion about a lot of these different beers and how I thought I would feel about them. Mm-hmm. So I'm so super excited about tonight to take the winners, some of which were unexpected winners, mm-hmm. some of which were, I knew, that I was assuming they were going to win, um, and then pit those against each other and see if that, like, shakes up my internal rating system any more than has already been shaken up by the yeah. first round. <laughs> Spoiler alert, Bud Light winning, <laughs> the last one was, or that one was crazy. That was the biggest yeah, that uh, one, upset. That was a shocker. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> anyway, um, so we'll see if it can uh, stand up to the rest of them. Uh, but Jeff, let's jump into it. So uh, how the story is kind of structured, uh, like you were saying earlier, is that uh, normally we have like the main story, which is what we're really talking about, what the set is actually about, and then the side stories happen to be like random legendary characters that we meet. However, in the Brothers War stories, um, Teferi, as we know, if we've, we know anything about the Dominary United story at the end, he is planning on traveling back in time to figure out how to defeat the Phyrexians in the present storyline go back in time, talk to Urza to figure out what to do and how to use the Silex, which Karn has found. Um, so that splits us into the past storyline and the present storyline. So we have decided to do the present storyline just because, uh, yeah, we want to, and it's our show. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the first chapter is called Stronghold and all the chapters are named after old magic sets, which I thought was really yeah. I thought that was cool. That was really cool. Yeah, it made it very yeah. exciting uh, to do that. Um, jumping right off where we <laughs> where we are, um, it doesn't. We don't pick up like immediately after the last story. It seems like some things have happened, though. Teferi is still wounded from the battle uh, in uh, on Dominaria. Uh, Karn had. Just, I guess, maybe a backstory or a reminder would be probably good. Um, After finding out that Ajani is the sleeper agent uh, and stabbing a bunch of people uh, and pushing Jaya off of the um, mana rig, uh, Karn uh, gets transported through the planar portal over to New Phyrexia with Shieldred and uh, uh, Ajani. 
And so he is over there. Uh, Jaya's dead. And Teferi's wounded. Uh, things have been looking pretty bad. And at the end, during Jaya's like funeral, Sahili comes out and she is uh, telling Teferi that she's made a time machine. <laughs> Essentially. So... Uh, at the end of Dominaria, it seems like all that stuff has already happened and she already made the time machine and he's going back in time mm-hmm. at that moment. I don't exactly know how that fits in with this because it seems like the time machine has not been built yet completely and they're still working on it. Yeah, that's that confused me as well. <clears throat> I think there's just a bit of a disconnect. Between writers, you know, something that comes up, Something that comes up in episode two is that, like, Teferi gave her plans for a time machine or like mostly that, that he thought would work and then it didn't work and she redid it. But then at the end of the last story, she's like, Hey, Teferi, I built this time machine. (laughs) It just doesn't sync up totally properly. But so, and we might see some of those as well because the beginning of the story, um, Teferi's walking up to Urza's tower which is where uh, we're going to have kind of our rebellion, I guess we're going to call them. I don't know. Uh, they're the... What, do they have a name? It's like Dominaria's new task force. Team team Dominaria. <laughs> um, it, it's like the, the new something. Um, but I get... <laughs> anyway, they're in Urza's tower uh, trying to figure out what they're going to do about the, um, the Phyrexian invasion. But it reminds me of the cinematic uh, thing that they had for the Brothers War. <laughs> it was the Brothers War, right? It was like yeah. at Magic 30, they had shown this cinematic trailer for the Brothers War. And it's like Teferi walking up a hill towards Urza's Tower, I, I'm guessing. And right. it's a bunch of events that happened during Dominaria United. So I kept envisioning this part happening. But when in the... In the trailer, he gets to the uh, the tower, and uh, there's like an elf that kind of looks like Nissa, but really isn't, uh, who's has a power stone, and then and then a Johnny's trying to steal it, and then Teferi and a Johnny are fighting each other, which never happened in any of the stories, doesn't happen in this story, <laughs> and has nothing to do with the Brothers War, and it was a really confusing. And a Johnny gets like easily beaten. It was just a weird trailer. It was a really <laughs> weird trailer that didn't make any sense. It looked cool. But it, it was cool. But, it, but none of none of the it had nothing to do with the story. Like it was it was just like yeah. fake things that seemed cool. But like anyway, so I was almost thinking, oh, is this actually in the story? No, it, he just <laughs> it's not. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the canon can get really confusing. But uh, anyway, Jeff, we're in Urza's tower. Who is there with us? Who is our our crew? Of peeps. All right, so we have Teferi and, of course, Sahili. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kaya is there. And then apparently Elspeth is also there, basically. Mm-hmm. Elspeth is just like, hey, what's going on? And they're like, by oh, hey, Elspeth, not much. Like, we're just chilling, trying to stop the Phyrexian invasion. Uh, by the way, your best friend is totally a spy for them, and, and he's the worst. And then she's like, upset. Yeah. And that's kind of where we like jump right in. I was just like, oh, all right. The, I guess I'm supposed to infer why all these people are here. And yeah. like, that Elspeth didn't know that Johnny was evil and like just got told. And, yeah. 
Um, I think it might have said something that Teferi had gone around the multiverse collecting people and Jace was too busy on Ravnica to come over. <laughs> what the fuck? Okay, cool. Um, That's right. We got a bit... We got like a one-liner that mm-hmm. was like, oh, some of the younger planeswalkers that he met while fighting Nicol Bolas in like their... When they all united to fight against Nicol Bolas were the only ones that that we're gonna came with him. Come, yeah, and help. And um, then I guess also Elspeth. Kind of interesting. Uh, Elspeth, is, of course, has really strong ties with the Johnny, as we know from the new Capena story, and just her history. Uh, so she's obviously devastated that she finds out that a Johnny is uh, turned into a Phyrexian. Um, and she very much implies that if you are completed, like you're gone, like there's no really saving you. And she's also mm-hmm. the only one that when they're trying to devise a plan to go to New Phyrexia and fight the Phyrexians, she's very much on the side of, uh, you can't do that. No one can do that. You will all die. Don't, don't go. Right. Um, yeah. Very defeatist. This is a bad plan. Yeah. Very defeatist attitude, by the way. It's not like she went there in the past and got her ass handed to her or anything, but... Um, which did happen. But anyway, <laughs> just the only person with experience is telling yeah, you, hey, like, this is horrible. And everyone's like, no. I tried this. Mm-hmm. It did not work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, my friend died. Uh, it was bad. Uh, oh, also, I wanted to mention, there's like a part earlier where Teferi shows up. And so Joda is there. And Joda is of course, yeah, seemingly perfectly fine last time we saw him he was just in complete heartbroken shambles because jaya had been killed and he didn't seem like he was going to be able to recover he seems to be his jolly old self again totally okay um yeah i I wanted to bring up joda because i wouldn't even describe him as his jolly old self like he just a totally different character than (laughs) what was in the The united stories like I chalk it up, I guess, to different writers mm-hmm. <laughs> or like different plot needs. But man, that dude was a whiny bitch in Dominary United. Yeah. And he's just like a, a regular person here. Yeah. And in this one, there's like this weird joke where Teferi shows up and he's like really hungry. And uh, there's like a little robot servant that comes over and it's Sahili's, I don't know, robot. And yeah. gives him these like biscuits and, or like kind of cookie things. And Teferi's like, oh, thanks. And Joda's like, yeah, it's a recipe that I had from a long time ago. I used to eat these when I was a kid. And Teferi takes a bite and says, these are not, these are very good. (laughs) It's disgusting, essentially. Basically. And Joda's like, oh, maybe the roach flour went bad. And then Teferi kind of does like a look at the camera like, roach flour. Roach flour. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, um... None of this makes it. yeah. None of this the makes plan. any sense to me. I don't understand. Like, first of all, well, sure, Joda's super old, but like, I don't think his his food's weird. I don't think Teferi would think that someone's food was weird and would have a weird problem with it. If anyone has weird food, I feel like Teferi's the character that would have the weird food because he's just I don't know. Right. <laughs> Just, yeah. just the way that he talks to other people and the way that he's so wise that he would be more focused on the nutrients in his sustenance, that he would eat something so strange, but it would give him what he needs to continue as opposed to being really excited about food. I don't know. It just seemed so strange to me. I was like, oh, okay. And it comes up over and over again about the cookies or the biscuits or whatever. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> it, it was it was an odd scene. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Elspeth is devastated that Ajani is um, the sleeper agent, and she basically uh, runs off. So their plan is that there is a Mirin revolution happening on New Phyrexia, headed by Koth, which we found out is alive, who's a um, planeswalker that's um, a red planeswalker. And yes. uh, Eurobrask is also part of this rebellion. Who is a Phyrexian praetor. Yes. Um, who's also yeah. red aligned. He was like... Fairly loosely involved in New Capena's story. He was like... mentioned for a moment with Tezzeret in New Capena. And right. at the time, it was... Well, not even at the time. It didn't make any fucking sense. They were, like, watching the dragon give a speech to the Riveteers. Yeah. And in, the, in some bar or something. But the thing is that... So, Eurobrask is... Of the Praetors, Elish Norn is, like, the leader. And mm-hmm. then... Uh, the soul tide, the rest of the soul tide ones are like part of her ragtag group. And Eurobrask is the one who's trying to fight against her. Um, it's just weird. It's weird that Eurobrask was mentioned and was also with Tezzeret at the time, which Tezzeret had just been on Kamigawa with uh, Jin Gitaxis trying to turn planeswalkers into uh, Phyrexians. Yeah. And there's gonna. We'll, we'll get a bit more into that in like. Chapter yeah. three, we, yeah, which we will. Super confusing and yeah. strange, but for a lot of reasons. But a lot of what you're saying here, um, it's the, but it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, so they have the <laughs> beginning seeds of like Tezzeret might be able to help us, which is a fucking stupid plan in my opinion. And, and isn't it only Elspeth that's like seriously we're gonna fucking trust Tezzeret? It's like you know he's horrible. They're like yeah, but he. You know, maybe he hates them too. It's like, but he's working with them right now. And he's the reason they could get throughout the multiverse because he has the planar bridge that he got for Nicol Bolas. And he's the reason this is all happening. Why would, why is that a, why would you, what is giving you the idea that that's a good plan? That's what I'm confused about. Where is this yeah. coming from? And Teferi's just like... <laughs> just thinks this is totally solid <laughs> like this I, is just not in your character at no all. <laughs> what is going on um kaya brings up the fact that she saw voren Klex on kaldheim and uh and then they kind of piece together how the phyrexians did what they did um which was extremely unsatisfying <laughs> you know everyone kind of gets yeah. together is like wait i saw somebody over here maybe they took that sap from the tree and they did the thing and then that's how they're yeah. getting around it's like we all kind of piece that together because you know we've seen it through time but i wish it took them a little bit more or it was a little bit harder to <laughs> to figure this out this is like a classic movie thing yeah. that i always get upset about that's like i understand you have time constraints and like <clears throat> it's not interesting to watch people try to figure things out but it's also super annoying when you look at something and just infer everything correctly immediately about exactly what happened. It's like yeah because oh, the magic of storytelling like yeah well the there, there are three different ways you can tell the story is really like you the audience and the characters are learning the information at the same time or the audience is ahead of the characters and they know the information before the characters know or the characters know before the audience knows 
Those are the three right. things you can do. In this way, we knew way before the characters, but then we didn't get any of the payoff of them finding out and us being excited that they found out because of something. They just happened to know just right. somehow. That, that's a good way to express my frustration. I'm just like, if you're going to set it up that I know and they don't, mm-hmm. they can't just figure it out immediately when it's convenient for the yeah. story. The <laughs> The payoff is us getting to watch them find it. And, like, what is the piece that helps them find out? That's what's exciting. Right. We, we don't get any of it. So that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, well, whatever. And I'm just imagining Kaya just chilling for, like, a year. Because mm-hmm. that's how long it took us to get to, like... <laughs> two, two years. Two, oh, yeah, almost two years from Call Time. Yeah. And then she's just like, wait a minute. Maybe they wanted the tree sap. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, Kaya, why didn't you say anything about Kaldheim when we were on Innistrad? It's like, and you saw Teferi. You were with them. <laughs> we, we've been hanging out for like two years straight, yeah. Kaya. You didn't think to mention this? She's like, oh, a yeah. fucking Phyrexian that you encountered. Oh, Phyrexians? I saw a weird beast thing. That must have been... Well, is he like fleshy and metally? He was really scary. They're like, yes, they're like the worst villains in the multiverse. Oh, yeah, I saw one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think to bring it up because yeah. it's so normal. <laughs> um, anyway, then now we're kind of past this meeting. Oh, also through that, Teferi tells Joda that he um, he wants him to like be the leader of our new ragtag group because Teferi knows he's going to go back in time, so someone has to lead everyone. So. Uh, he has Joe to go try to comfort Elspeth as she's um, distressed because that's what leaders do. Make sure everyone's doing it right. This was like, you know, again, just kind of a disconnect for me because like the previous storyline, Joda, Joda and Teferi were both there the whole time and Joda was like worthless in the entire story. And now it's just like Teferi's like, you're the only one I trust. Yeah. You need to lead us. <laughs> what? He, it's like, he almost fucked up every single previous mission. Yeah, because he's very... By the book? Maybe that's why... I don't know. Is that why Teferi likes him? <sighs> Who knows? You, you give the most um, power to the only non-planeswalker. Good job. Also, I forgot to mention, you asked me who was here. Um, there's a reason I forgot to mention this person, but I'm seeing it in your notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Vivian Reed is here. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't ever really come up. <laughs> <laughs> it never comes up. <laughs> so, just so you know... Vivian, I'm just imagining like now all the stories with the images in my head. Vivian's just in the background. <laughs> just standing there. <laughs> um, and there's going to be another part where we come into that too. But um, anyway. Archery practice or something. Yeah. Uh, Teferi, uh, after this meeting, goes and checks up on Sahili's progress with some inventions that she's working on. Uh, and he's looking at the Silex that she finished, but she's not very happy with it as well as the temporal anchor, which is her time machine that should be ready some point tonight. Now, the time machine is what you were alluding to earlier, which is the Teferi had given her the plans that were originally Urza's plans for his time machine. She tried to make his. It didn't work, or it worked fine, but she felt like she could improve on it. And so instead, she uh, fixes up, makes it look really pretty, and uh, it seems like it will do the job. Um, and we have a nice little comparison between Sahili and Urza 
both great inventors, Sahili focusing on a beauty and making good in the world, and Urza focusing on uh, function and just getting the job done by any means necessary. Um, which is kind of an interesting comparison. <coughs> I don't hate it. Um, so I, I, w- I was a bit happier with that. I mean, that was Urza's character for sure. Mm-hmm. It's like, who cares about anything other than the function of my machines? Mm-hmm. I was a little confused at this part because like, my understanding is that the Silex is like, it's just a bowl. Mm-hmm. And so the reason this thing is so important is because it has some sort of extreme magic applied to it. Mm-hmm. So I would think that recreating it is next to worthless. Like you're just making a bowl at that point. Yeah. It. So the Silex got crunched up by a Johnny in, right. in the Dominary United story and was like, oh, this is the thing that's going to help you destroy the Phyrexian. It's gone. And now Sahili's making one and it's fine. So at the end of that story, I was like, are they like, my understanding was they're going to go back in time, get the Silex again and understand how to use it. Yeah. And in fact, they just like, they just blow right past it. They're just like remaking the Silex. Yeah. So the plan now is that they can make the Silex again. They just don't know how to use it and they have to go back in time to get the instructions. I guess as far as MacGuffins go, I feel like it's pretty ridiculous that like (laughs) you could, I could make Sahili could just make a hundred of these things if she wanted. Like it's that Mm -hmm. easy. It's just like a a bowl. And apparently if you know how to use bowls properly, you can blow up the world. (laughs) No, no, it's not just a bowl. It has etchings on it from a language that she doesn't understand. Uh, that no one can read but, like, Joda. And she recalled from, like, memory or something. I, 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 I think that... From someone else's memory. No, don't we have the tablets still, or no? Did those get broken? I think it was, like, Teferi saw it, the Silex once, described it to her, and, and she then, recreated it. Dumb. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's what a lot of the story is about, because the Silex is what um, ended the Brothers' War in the first place. It blew up everybody and uh, yeah. started the Ice Age. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I thought it was just lame that an artifact that powerful is just like Sahili can. And it's, it does describe a little bit that she labored to create it, but it's still like, she could just make it. Yeah. Okay. It, it's, it's a bit of like a gift shop version uh, that happens to also be just as good if you can, it's in the right but hands. they have like 100% certainty it's going to be as good too. That's the other part, right? Like, how do you know this is going to work the same as the other one? Like, I have no idea. Uh, it's, yeah. So it's a little loose. It's a little floppy. <laughs> Actually, no, it's fairly floppy. But anyway, um, we will get back. The plant stinks. I'm with Elspeth. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> we'll get we'll get back to that in a second. But we do get to see Ren and Seven, who comes to the tower, who apparently is pretty good friends with Teferi. <laughs> yeah. uh, is is this the first time we get to hear Ren and Seven, like Seven speak or like be part of a story at all or? I think they were in a side story that we didn't right, read okay. in uh, whatever. In, uh, in Estrad? That makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I thought and it that's, was fairly... I think where Teferi like, connected with them. Gotcha. Teferi was like loosely part of that. That yeah. probably makes a lot of sense. Because I was like, interesting that they're friends. I mean, it's cool. Teferi knows a lot of people. Um, I was just not expecting to see Ren and Seven. Not even a little <laughs> yeah. bit. Uh, so anyway, that was, that was pretty cool. Um, but they have some 
nice conversations. Uh, Teferi feels kind of worried about his place in, in everything and if this plan is going to work and Renna 7 is really good at calming you down and making you... Uh, mm-hmm. Every time someone needs to talk to someone about their feelings, Renna 7 seems to be the perfect place and the perfect person to talk to. Um, so... Kind of wish I had a Ren Seven, you know. <laughs> Where's my tree? I, although I sort of feel like it's like Teferi's like, yeah, I had to like, I moved my entire homeland into an artificial divent dimension just over a petty squabble with my teacher, mm-hmm. and Ren and Seven is like, that is illogical. <laughs> and Teferi's like, thanks, Ren. I feel so much better now. <laughs> I, it has more warmth than that. Ren and Seven feel like. I feel like you like a little bit of Grandmother Willow from like Pocahontas. Maybe it's because they are a tree and that is a tree, but uh, def- I, I got a very robotic feel from them, interesting. Where it's just like I just speak about logical truths, and then also it's like a hippie robot that's like hippie I will robot. speak about logical extractions, but my base understanding is that everyone has their own song. Is it? Yeah. And then what, what, once you move on from everyone has their own song, everything is purely logical mm-hmm. from your song. Yeah, from your song inside of you. Your song has but one note, mm-hmm. therefore. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe yeah, I, I just yeah. thought it, it seemed a bit more poetic than that, but okay. <laughs> I, I don't know if this would make me feel better personally. All right. <laughs> it seems to make everyone in the story feel better. All right. Maybe I'm just one of the people in the story. but <laughs> Zach's like, yeah, I do have a great song. Yeah, it is one note. Um, uh, <laughs> so, uh, through this, it's, it's kind of having Teferi start to realize what, um, what he's kind of done wrong and he's, uh, really in self-reflection on how he could, uh, deal with situations a little bit differently and is deciding to maybe try a little bit harder in some things he didn't do so well earlier, i.e. talking to Elspeth about new Phyrexia and her getting really frustrated. So... Uh, he ends up, so Elspeth comes over cause she's going to tell Teferi, Hey, I'm, fu- I'm, I'm out. Like count me out of this plan. It's terrible. Uh, I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm going to peace. Good luck with your shit, but, uh, I'm going to run and hide. I personally don't want to die. So I'm not going to help with this plan. I've died once. Wasn't fun. Wasn't not fun. For it again. It was pretty hard to come back to. Uh, but Teferi takes kind of a new approach and starts to open up to her and tell her about his past and things and some of his shortcomings and things that he's done uh, and why emotionally he wants to be able to do better this time, um, which is a really good way for her to connect with him and then them have a team building exercise and care about each other and have trust and then we can move forward. Hey, look at that. He's learning things. <laughs> Character development. <laughs> Boom. There you go. We'll see if it sticks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's kind of... <laughs> that's kind of what happens in chapter one. It's like mostly setting the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the idea of initializing the state for <laughs> programming nerds out there. but like, And setting a whole bunch of characters there that don't really matter so you're like guessing though wait there's they threw so many characters at me which one actually which ones actually matter and they all have varying degrees of like being important you know goes all the way from elspeth 
down to Vivian Reed, and you're just like, all right, well, some of these characters really mattered, and mm-hmm. some of them did not matter at all. Yeah. Uh, and I, it's it's funny to like make fun of, but I do kind of appreciate that because like, in real life, not everyone is always important in every story. Mm-hmm. There are just people there sometimes. Yeah. And so it's kind of cool to me that like, but that's never in stories, right? So it's kind of cool to me that that happened here. Like it's in movies because it's easy to put someone in the background of a movie. But it's it's never in like a a book because you mm-hmm. don't write in a character that doesn't do anything. But mm-hmm. you know what? This author was like, "Fuck that! I'm gonna write some characters <laughs> in that don't do anything." <laughs> <laughs> you know, probably it was part of a schematic of like these are all the people that will be in that have mattered. Vivian is there because Vivian was a new Capena, but Vivian wasn't even supposed to be a new Capena in my opinion. So. <laughs> right. um, definitely shoehorned in like def there are several parts of this trail of stories where i felt like things got changed and they had to like last minute adjust it and Mm -hmm. it doesn't like line up properly and also there's just like randomly characters that (laughs) but but i kind of like i find it a little charming as well yeah oh yeah vivian's just like i just imagine her having like coffee in the background mm-hmm. while her allies are like fighting this huge gigantic war yeah she's like <laughs> eating the roach biscuits and she's like mm, these are pretty good yeah, actually roach yeah, flour. I like yeah. this. uh <laughs> anyway jeff let's go to chapter two antiquities yes uh, so we get to do a little bit of quote-unquote time traveling ourselves as uh, this chapter, the last one was all kind of focusing around Teferi. This one is focusing around Sahili. Um, yes. So we're going to be jumping between Dominaria present day and her past in Kaladesh. We know she's been working on the temporal anchor, and they have time a machine. Po- Go on. Yeah, the time machine uh, that looks really pretty, by the way. Um, but uh, she's doing so with Kaya. Which is interesting. So they're trying to devise a way to... to We need Sahili's time machine and Kaya involved to help Teferi go back in time. So, Jeff, what is their, like, kind of plan? Yeah, so basically the idea is that this doesn't actually send you back in time. It projects your spirit to a different time. So Teferi will, like, get into this little coffin-like thing or whatever. And so Sahili will pull a switch... And then Teferi will, like, get knocked out, but there will be a ghost form of Teferi in the past. Um, It was a little strange because, like, the stated reason was that they don't want to physically go back in time because they don't want to change events. So they want to, like, send something that someone who can't interact with things Mm -hmm. physically. But it's like, what changes events is not Teferi, like, slapping someone. It's like... (laughs) Information is always what's going to change, and if mm-hmm. he can communicate with people, so it seemed like a bit of a lackluster reason to me. But I think they're trying to explain like why doesn't Teferi just go back in time himself and like go get it? Yeah. Um, so they they're trying to come up with some like storytelling device that they don't want to do that. They went with they don't want to change the, you know, the way time <laughs> went, and so fair enough. Like. I guess if you just go back in time, you have both to worry about your actions and what you say. This way, it's just what you say. Um, but of course, Kaya is like master of ethereal things, like ghost form, I guess. And so the idea is to project Teferi's ghost form back in time. And that's 
where Sahili and Kaya are teaming up here. Yeah. Now, I don't think that his spirit can be seen necessarily. Uh, the point is that he's kind of like invisible and he can just be okay. there. But his point but, is that he also wants to talk to Urza about the right. Silex. So That's what threw me off because I thought the same as you that he's just like, um, you know, if, if anyone's ever read or seen Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets where like Harry is jumps into the book and goes back in time and is there, mm-hmm. but no one sees or knows him. He's just witnessing events. Um, I thought that's what it was like as well. But they reference conversation with Urza mm-hmm. like several times. So it maybe it's just that Urza is so powerful he can sense to fairy's presence there. Um, but yeah, I thought originally it was like maybe he'll just overhear Urza talk about how you can activate the Silex. And I was like, that's a pretty dumb plan. <laughs> but no, Do he does plan on asking for... him. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> It's a little weird, but anyways, they're doing it because everyone's question is like, why doesn't Teferi just go back in time himself? Why do they need this temporal anchor and all that stuff? So they need an answer for that. And this is, I don't know, about as good as one as you can expect. Yeah. Um, so I think Teferi's out trying to find more people to help, I guess, because he's not exactly around for this portion of the story. Um but uh, Kaya is working on the anchor because it's not working exactly the way that she wants it to. And uh, they keep doing these test runs that aren't uh, are just going badly. Um, right. And during some of the runs, uh, there's like this weird interference. There, there's something that, will, that, that shuts off the temporal anchor when they try to turn it on. And they don't exactly know why that's happening. Um, but they do realize that there's like this black crystal orb that's encased in silver that like apparently is releasing ghosts or something. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, Teferi brought that in one time and put it in the corner and we just uh, didn't look at it again. And we're like, what <laughs> yes. the fuck is this? <laughs> oh, yeah, the black crystal orb with the ghosts. <laughs> like... So I want to say that I actually really liked this chapter. I thought mm-hmm. like the overall idea was was cool and fun. Yeah. Like, it's like the issues they're having building the thing, and it, <laughs> it turns out to be a ghost. But um, the execution on this part was a little lackluster. Like, why did Teferi bring this thing and give it to? Like, there's no explanation that ever comes about why <laughs> you wanted no. this thing. I think the best they describe is like. Urza had it, and Urza thought it was powerful. Yeah, and Teferi didn't want to mess with Urza's magic. But like, why would he give it to Sahili for this? Anyway, it's it's strange. But basically, Sahili can't figure out uh, why her machine's not working. <laughs> Another shout out to you know anyone who does this kind of thing. It's like, no, I've looked at the code. It it should work. It's like she's like, I've looked at the you know. The, the wiring and all that, and it, it should work, and it just doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyways, maybe if you're programming something and it's not working and you can't figure out why, maybe it's a ghost. Maybe it's a ghost. Look around for like a little thing. If Teferi gave you anything, that's a sure sign. <laughs> yeah, but, there's definitely know. a ghost in your computer. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, Anyway, Black crystal or it's just like sitting in the corner. It's so weird. Like, why is that? Just get rid of it. I know. Um, I know. Anyway, um, 
We're going to figure out the crystal orb in a little bit, but we will go back in time to Kaladesh when there is a uh, big festival happening and Sahili ends up getting kidnapped in the midst of this uh, huge... Uh, people are like throwing colors around and it's this joyous occasion and she kind of gets stuffed into a back alley uh, into a car, kind of, and then taken to a location and um, they pull the hood off of her head and... It's the Aetherborn Gonti who has stolen her. <gasps> dun, but, dun, dun. Uh, black market dealer guy. A brief interlude on uh, Kaladesh real quick. It's been years. Obviously. Like, I think I read it when Kaladesh came out. But I did read this. Um, and I explicitly decided not to like go back and look it all up because I wanted to see how accurate my memory was for, for these things. Um, but basically, if memory serves... The Aetherborn, like Aether is a, a resource on Kaladesh that mm-hmm. everyone uses. And the Aetherborn are essentially humanoid things that are made completely out of Aether. Now, it means they have kind of special powers, but it also means like they they essentially burn out. Yeah. They have very short lifespans relative mm-hmm. to humans. I think it's something like 10 years. That's the part I can't totally remember, but might even be way less than that. Um but essentially, they're like party animals because they're only around for a little bit. So they just fucking party. They're like drinking their faces off every night and like mm-hmm. doing whatever because, hey, I'm only going to live like 10 years. I'm going to need to worry about the long term effects of alcohol, you know? Like, um, but Gaunti, and they also tend to li- like run the underworld yeah, there because by the same token, it's like, uh, I don't care about, you know, long term. Like, consequences i don't have to worry about long-term consequences so i'm gonna do whatever brings me the most like money and joy right now Mm -hmm. and then the like overlord of this underworld like aetherborn organization is gonti who is the only one who does not seem to die within a few years like he's always there Mm -hmm. so that's kind of if, if you know people weren't around for kaladesh or whatever that's the setting and sahili is from kaladesh so this flashback of course is from when she was there. Um, yes. And this is an important moment for her and Gonti because uh, he basically gives her a choice is that um, he actually has a machine heart uh, that's keeping him alive and something's gone wrong with it and he needs it to be fixed. Now, she yeah. is a fantastic um, artificer, so she would easily be the one who can help him stay al- or them, sorry, uh, to help them mm-hmm. stay alive. And then Gonti says that uh, they have her family um, kind of captured. And if Sahili does not fix their heart, then Gonti will kill the family. Yeah. And, and you keep talking about them. Just a random point that also I remembered. Uh, like, because Aetherborn come from Aether, mm-hmm. there is no sex. So they're all Aetherborn are non-binary yeah. because... There is no like, there's no need for male or female. Or whatever. Yeah, they don't reproduce, and there's the. Yeah. Uh, um, also, there. Uh, when you were talking about that, the one thing with their their death day, they kind of you could they can tell when they're about to go, and they just have right. a massive party, and everyone comes to see them as they say goodbye, and they kind of turn to ash as they like, like burn out. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I was like, that's really cool. Yeah, <laughs> what a cool idea. Yeah. Um, Really sweet. Anyway. Yeah. But essentially, you know, Sihili's like, why should I help you? And Gonti's like, because I'll kill your family if you don't. And she's like, 
Yeah, okay, I'll help you. All right, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. uh, we go back to Dominaria present day, and we talked to uh, Joda about the strange object that's powered up by the ghosts, uh, which is growing at the temporal anchor, this black crystal thing. Uh, and then, of course, he's reading it, and he's like, wipes some stuff off, and there's some Thran markings, which, of course, Joda is a fucking old piece of shit. Um, <laughs> 4,000 years old. Yeah, he likes to mention that as well. And he can read Thran. Uh, nobody else can, and they used to teach it in school, and he didn't really like it, but whatever. He remembers. Um, yeah. And <laughs> Imagine, I can't remember something they taught me in school, and I, you know that was like 15 years ago. Yeah. This guy, <laughs> oh, yeah, what did they teach Isn't me uh, 3,872 yeah. years ago? <clears throat> Yeah, so he um, reads on the side, it says, uh, go back to the beginning and greet me properly. So I guess the ghost, this is like, <laughs> it just seems like like a cool cryptic thing. And I wrote it down. I was like, oh, this could be important. And it's kind of, it. yeah. I was I was going to say it is not. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like, I guess maybe you could infer something from it, but it's really not as exciting as it sounds like it it's going to be. It doesn't end up mattering. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> everything if, about this, I love this chapter because everything about it is just hilarious to me. Yeah. So we'll get more. All right. So there's this cryptic greeting. Uh, <laughs> keep it in your minds, folks. Yeah. Go back to the beginning and greet me properly. Mm-hmm. I want to take you along with the reader's journey here. Yeah. You know, you've read stuff before. You know, this is something. To hold in your mind, it's in italics. So yes, exactly. Uh, you, which is why, it. which is why I wrote it down. <laughs> oh God! Anyway, we're back in Kaladesh years ago, and Sahili is now uh, just fixated on Gonti's heart and seeing how it works, and uh, she she fixes it, but also is just amazed by just the ingenuity of it. She's never seen something so fantastic. Um, and it's extremely inspiring, this uh, piece yeah. of engineering. Um, but So through that, she kind of like loves fixing it, even though Gonti was going to kill her family. And then Gonti <laughs> yeah. reveals, oh, thanks for fixing my heart. By the way, your family was never in danger. <laughs> that was a lie. Was kill. Yeah. It was, so it wasn't a lot. So yeah. what he said is he had people like shadowing her mom or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was going when he said, oh, I'm going to kill them or whatever. But then he says, actually, I called those people off as soon as we started talking. So it's even weirder than they were never in any danger. It was like I trusted you to heed the yeah. warning of the danger and called them. Like It doesn't make any sense. Why would yeah. you do that? Yeah, because we because Gonti did have a bracelet or something to show Sahili to be like, look, I do have them. Um, right. <laughs> anyway, it just seemed like, oh, Gonti, this you know scary big bad black market person. Oh, never mind, they weren't keeping anyone in any danger. So you're kind of on their side. You're like, oh, Gonti's pretty cool. And I <laughs> actually, at that moment, I was kind of happy because I do like Gonti the card. So I was like, oh, sick. Oh, I love that card. Yeah. <laughs> so I played that card way more than it deserves mm-hmm. to be played. Um, <laughs> so I was like, nice. You're actually pretty sick. Uh, Gonti, I like mm-hmm. you. So He's the lord of luxury. They they are the lord of luxury. Yes. Or yes, they are the lord. <laughs> you're right. Um, um, 
so this is just like you know i've been mentioning how i, I love this one. i find it so hilarious hilarious thing number one <laughs> the idea that teferi has this weird magical thing that he's not sure what it does doesn't want to mess with it because it's urza's and it's like sahili hey you should take this it might help with your building <laughs> like why would you do that makes no sense the second one being like the cryptic message that i think we've hinted about it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. <laughs> but like it's displayed as but this is my favorite one i think because it's like Basically, what happened is some mobster kidnaps tech support, a tech support, <laughs> yeah. absolutely kidnaps him, takes the tech support to his to their place and says, hey, listen, you got to fix this or I'm going to kill your family. <laughs> and the tech support looks at it and she's like, I don't know, have you tried like turning it off, turning it back on again? And it's like, oh, yeah, that worked. Thank you. And then they go on their merry way. (laughs) Because it's like a super easy fix to to see it even. So Healy even describes, oh, yeah, this is the problem. I just need to, like, twist this or whatever. (laughs) It's hilarious to me that some mob boss kidnapped tech support for, like, a turn it off, turn it back on again solution. (laughs) Threatened to kill their family. Uh, Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. That's and that's kind of how some of these go. And this story specifically, I think through the the, the the side story things, I don't know if we we really haven't talked much about the side stories in any of the other ones because um, we don't always read them. But yeah, this one does have a through line that they're all connected because it's they they are right. sequential. But like I'm sitting here 100 percent sure that okay that you know. The time machine's not working. So Healy's going to think back to Gonti's heart and like how she solved that one is going to give her a relevant revelation of how the time machine should be fixed or whatever. Right. Like mm-hmm. yeah, there's a reason we're going it. back to the Gonti's heart thing. You go back like, to the beginning, greet him properly or greet them properly. <laughs> boom. Right. No. And then it's like, Oh, I can use the genius that was in Gonti's heart to build that. Like mm-hmm. I was just hundred percent sure that's where this was going. <laughs> Nope, the Gunty's heart thing was like for character development, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. It's because, just like to tell you something that happened to Sisley yeah. in the past. <laughs> because now we're in present day Dominaria. And um <laughs> Sahili and Kaya set a trap for the ghost. And right. so <laughs> they're trying to bust this ghost. <laughs> so who did they call? <laughs> Oh, Bill Murray. Um, of course. <laughs> they, <laughs> sorry, I don't know why this is so funny. Is this what the new Ghostbusters was about? Yeah, Just I'm pretty Sigili sure. and, uh, and Kaya. <laughs> trying to bust a ghost from their time machine. Um <laughs> Just, it feels so Scooby-Doo, you know? Like, <laughs> oh, all right, so we're going to catch the ghost and then we're going to wrap it up with some chains they pull off the sheet, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, I've seen that meme. When you pull it off, it's Fred. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so <laughs> they set up this trap, which is basically like, we're going to pretend like we're turning on the temporal anger, but we're not actually going to turn it on, I guess. Um, and then the ghost pops out. And then they... Um, they, they try to talk to it for a second, and then he just starts attacking it. 
I don't know why this is so funny. Um, no, Sahili wants to talk to it. Yeah. Kyle wants to attack it. Right. Okay. Sorry. Um, yeah. um, and the the spirit like busts out and starts like slashing up the time machine. Um, and so uh, also we find out immediately this this spirit's name is uh, Sharaman, who's yeah. to be one of Urza's generals in the Brothers War. Oh man. <laughs> I thought it was a wizard that worked for uh, Sauron. Yeah, Sharaman, not Saruman. <laughs> oh, um, and so they're like, "Oh, sick!" Um, and he wants to destroy all war machines and Urza time machine, not Urza time machines, but just machines in general, because he's an old general who just thinks machines are evil. Your phones are going <laughs> to kill you. Destroy all your technology. And so this ghost is after all the technology. Um. <laughs> yeah. He went through some fucked up shit during the Brothers War, and now his spirit is restless and is uh, worried that this is going to start it up again. Yeah. Um, which we learn because Sahili was sure he could be reasoned with. Right, right. And right, he right. can, and, and they have this discussion. Kaya <laughs> just walks in and kills him. <laughs> <laughs> she's like sorry guys ghosts can't trust us <laughs> i don't fucking trust this ghost she... <laughs> she's a ghost assassin oh gosh <laughs> so anyways that's all we learned <laughs> oh and um, there's there's a piece in there where they're like running past Joda, who's like looking at the orb, um, <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on with it. Um, and uh, we'll see that later in the piece. Uh, <laughs> it's just like a perfect part of the story. Cause see, there's so much about Sahili <laughs> being like no. We can talk to the ghost, and Kaya's like, "It's a ghost. I have to kill it." And Zahili's like, "No, we can talk to it. We can do it." And then Kaya and just then she talks to it, and they get information. Everything's going well. And Kaya just boom, <laughs> just fucking jumps in and kills him. <laughs> so, just wasn't expecting it's that. Just I had like, to like reread it a couple of times yeah. to make sure that's what happened. I'm, that's what I got from it. Um, it's kind of like in uh, the Innistrad story where we're standing outside of the that ghost house, and Kai is just like, "I'm going in," and she starts fucking stabbing and just murders them all, <laughs> and just. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. I love that persona of her where she just. <laughs> Killed any ghost ever. <laughs> There's just like no discussion. Just yeah. like, okay, I guess Kaya killed the ghost. Uh, <laughs> I want a story where like Jesus comes back as a ghost. And Kaya comes and just stabs him. <laughs> Tries to kill him. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, <laughs> anyway. Um, Anyways, that was the only problem. The ghost was the only reason the temporal anchor was not working. <clears throat> uh, so now it's all good. No, it's all good, and he can be back with his family. It's going to be like a, oh, sweet, he can be with his loved ones. I'll stab him so he's back there. Um, and then she tries to reason with herself, being like, no, 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 it was a good thing that I... Uh, she feels kind of bad about killing the ghost, but then they kind of <laughs> they reason with it, being like, no, 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 no. He's he's going to be happy now. And so, so Healy's thinking... It's like, you know, when someone's like... 
uh, going crazy, and everyone's like, "Calm down, calm down," um, and you, you slap them like, "You mm-hmm. gotta calm down." This was like <laughs> they had totally calmed down, and then Kaya runs in and says, "Calm down," and slaps them. <sighs> like the ghost was friendly at this point; he was willing to like let you build your machine. She runs in and like slashes his throat. Yeah, oh, so um, good. And uh, anyway, so we have this this kind of moment, um, and. Sahili's just trying to calm Kaya down. And she's thinking of all the um, the loved ones that she's fought for. And uh, um, if, if peace is an option, can peace always be an option? Or do you have to fight and kill uh, to get what you need and to save your loved ones? Was there something that Karn was worried about in the last story? So this is kind of a through line through that. And yeah. um, she also has a moment where she thinks about Huatli uh, and her lips, I know, um, that was super, super weird. Yeah, so uh, this is kind of on Ixalan at the very end. Huatli planes walks to Kaladesh and she meets Sahili immediately. And then she talks about dinosaurs and Sahili's like, cool, what are those? And they kind of walk off together. So a, yeah, a lot the joke of, was like prehistoric versus like futuristic. Yeah, like, but a lot of us were kind of waiting for dinosaur vehicles that were like Kaladesh right. dinosaurs. Oh yeah, like dinosaurs. So he was yeah. going to make a dinosaur mech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if we <laughs> maybe when we go back to Ixlan next year, we'll see that. I don't know, but she was too distracted by Huatli's lips. Yeah, her poetic lips. Anyway, so it's pretty. It seems like they did end up shipping shipping together. That's what the kids call it these days, right? Where you have a relationship, oh, I, uh, right? I have no idea. Um, <sighs> But it was just, like, so weird because it's just, like, in the middle of the sentence. It's, like, you know, Sahili was thinking about fighting for her loved ones, you know. Uh, you know, like the, you know, battle cry she heard from Huatli's lips, which are the best, which are perfect. Mm-hmm. Or something. It's just like, just, like, a random, like, mentions her lips for some reason, but that is not necessarily love-related. And then the next one is, like, oh, and she has perfect lips. Mm-hmm. Like, insinuate that there is a love connection there. Yeah, it's like I I don't care if Sahili and Watley are like in love, but this was a weird way to like drop that bomb on us. <laughs> I loved it. Anytime they throw in things like that, I'm like, heck yeah! Except for the ones when they did Adeline and Chandra seems to be extremely overt and like really in your face. This one was right. just a little felt like a little bump. It's like, oh okay. This, this was nice another one. one of many one of the many sentences in this particular chapter that I had to read like three times to make sure that I was reading it on, correctly. On the right thing. I wasn't just like reading the wrong thing. <laughs> Teferi kind of comes back and he's ready for the final test, so they're off to do that. There is an epilogue and it's about Joda with the Starfield orb. Now, my question, is the Starfield orb the black crystal orb with the silver stuff with the ghosts? Or is this something completely different? So I thought that as well at mm-hmm. first. I don't think it is the same thing. Okay. So he's studying this artifact that was Urza's classic. Mm-hmm. And uh, he ends up going inside it. And this is your Harry Potter thing, kind of. So he goes. There's actually a lot of Harry Potter inspiration in, yeah. in this set of stories. Classic. <laughs> Harry Potter... We always end up talking about Harry Potter somehow. Um, Anyway, uh, he goes into the Starfield orb, and it happens to be a pocket dimension in Urza's childhood cabin. So it's like his cottage. And uh, he's inside of the cottage with just like rows and rows of all these different books. And he turns and sees... uh, 
I think he sees Zancha first. Mm-hmm. And Zancha was working uh, with Urza and Thanos, I believe. It was like one of his um, assistants. If you play Commander, she's uh, one of the cards. She's like a give her... She's a bad card that you can give to other people and they can use her abilities to hurt the person who controls her. That's like um, her ability. She's a protagonist in one of the Brothers War novels, I believe. Mm -hmm. She is a... uh, She was a Phyrexian... Not a sleeper agent, but like the opposite of that. She was taken from her homeland, turned into a Phyrexian, and she's uh, gone good... And, like, is fighting for Dominaria. Right. And, like, tells us about the ways of the Phyrexians to help us fight them. She is the original sleeper agent. Because her, yeah. her card name is Zancha Sleeper Agent. So there we go. But she's, like, a reverse sleeper agent because she's actually fighting for Dominaria. Yes. So so now and that we have these sleeper fight. agents, the other... The, the Phyrexians are pissed that it happened to them, so now they're making it... Right, they're like, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, I'll get to do that one. Um, but she's not actually Zancha. She is a construct uh, inside this pocket yeah. dimension. So the entire thing, all the books, everything in it is uh, constructed and fake, and everything... Uh, Zansha and Mishra's also there. They know that they are not the actual version. Um, so there's no weird thing with that. They're just like, hey, yeah, I'm a construct of this person. And she explains what the place is. And the point was that uh, if we ever needed to rebuild any of Urza's work, if it got destroyed, it's in this orb. So all the books are full of every thing, every invention he ever had, all the information, how to build the armies again. Uh, what all the research and all everything he ever did in his entire life are in the books in that cabin in that pocket dimension. Yeah, and this this is why I think it's not the same thing, because um, this actually was also a thing in the Brothers War books. Mm-hmm. He had this pocket dimension of his childhood cabin that he would go to to like safely store his secrets mm-hmm. and do his research there without being like in the quote unquote like real world mm-hmm. where it's less safe. So this was like. A real thing that they took from those books. Perfect. Also, to get this pocket dimension, um, basically Teferi was able to get it because he had to go through some different tasks. And at the at the time, Teferi was like, yeah, fuck you, Urza. I finished all your tasks and I got your thing and I beat you. When in fact, Urza purposely put them behind all of the um, the tasks that only Teferi could do and want knowing that he wanted Teferi to be able to access it. Um, so once again, again, this is, this is like classic philosopher's stone. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, that's true. It's like all of the tests were designed specifically for the three kids. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. That's true. Um, does that mean that Urza is Dumbledore? They seem like very different characters. Urza, Urza is Dumbledore. Yeah, that's right. Urza, he, he's, Urza's the Dumbledore at the third movie on when they had the new actor jump in who I don't like. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's the Urza. Um, anyway, uh, those are the first two chapters of the side stories. Um, whew, I didn't think we were going to make it through that second one. I don't know what happened, but I could not. <laughs> Chapter two is great. I do not know. Uh, something about Kaya being a Ghostbuster is just way too much for me. Um, <laughs> it's just like such a funny scene because yeah. like everything was going fine and she just sprints in. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, Jeff, we got to right. keep moving. So let's good. grab another beer to keep this train rolling. Uh, so let's go to a beer break. Let's do it.
All right, well, Jeff, we just had Bud Light. What do we have right here? Uh, we have a lesser-known beer that sort of rose through the ranks in popularity through our Silver Series, actually. I believe mm-hmm. nobody really heard of it. That's yeah. we introduced it. It um, is royalty. This beer is called uh, Budweiser, I believe. Yeah. Um, they claim to be the king of beers. Mm-hmm. So um, this was a bit of a dark horse in our tournament, but we added it anyways. And uh, here we are. Here we are. Uh, <laughs> obviously, this is classic Bud. Um, it's a lager from USA. It's 5% everywhere, and it was founded in 1876. I think the first time we had this on the show, uh, you rated it Silver 1, and I rated it Silver 2. So it did quite well, so that episode. The inverse of Bud Light. Mm-hmm. I rated Bud Light 2, and you rated it 1. Yeah, so let's see if I like it better than Bud Light this time around. But. Yeah, we had to to do them back to back. Mm -hmm. You know we had to. Mm -hmm. Mm. Just because I don't think I've ever had a Bud Light and a Budweiser back to back. I can actually tell you I definitely never have. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's always one or the other, right? You buy a six pack of one or the other. I'm never at a bar where I'm like, could I get a Budweiser? And then the second beer, like, do you want another one? It's like, actually, let me me get a Bud Light. That's a little strong. (laughs) I need to come down a notch a little bit. (laughs) Um, Maybe I should. There are plenty of situations where I probably should have done that. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. Yeah. One person. Oh, anyway. Um, <coughs> let's get back to it. This is chapter three, Nemesis. You know what? I take it back. Maybe this one was. No, chapter two has got to be my favorite. But <laughs> this one was just like, what? <laughs> yeah. They're all a little bit, what? Um, but that's kind of how I like my magic story, honestly. Um, yeah. It's, it's what I've grown to know and love, so... Let's do it. Um, we are in New Phyrexia, and we are following Tezzeret through the entire story. Great. Tezzeret. Um, no, he's he's not such a terrible Wait, character. Wait, isn't but... he evil? Isn't he the villain? <laughs> yeah. He, um, yeah. He's a villain. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see, I guess. Um, I don't know why that's kind of like in the, in the air. Is he or is he not? Um... We are starting work on Karn, who is strapped down and isn't really fighting to get away. He still has a Johnny's axe stuck in his chest from the fight from before. Um, mm-hmm. And we're starting to uh, complete him, basically. They want they want him to be completed. They're also, I guess, taking him apart. Uh, they got to do that first. So through- they're, they're saying they're, like, very careful not to touch that axe. Like, mm-hmm. they have to leave that embedded in his chest. Yeah, I think it's so, also just, like, super sharp. Yeah, I was thinking it's, like, like there's a reason Phyrexian and Johnny Zax was so successful against Karn. It was, like, it's part of... It has oh, the magic that's debilitating him. Gotcha, so, so they can actually not, pull him apart. Um, because he's supposed to be made of, like, indestructible Thran uh, metal or whatever, but in actuality, it c- he continues to get crushed. Um, well, I was thinking, like, he's a planeswalker, and they have developed this magic to force him to not be able to planeswalk. I think the axe right. has that magic because it's like they're very careful not to touch the axe when they're right. Um, I <laughs> yes, I completely forgot about that part that he could just planeswalk at any moment. So they had to figure out a way to keep him down that aren't just physical straps. Yes, you're right. right. There's magic keeping him tethered to. And different. they had this with like Rona had it in the last uh, stories, mm-hmm. like. They had 
figured out how to like mess with Karn, basically. Yeah. Um, Tezzeret doesn't seem very happy with Elish Norn, who he's been working for for a while, which we were talking about earlier, because he was promised that he was going to get a dark steel body uh, so he could get rid of the planar portal that's inside of his chest, which he put there when he was working with um, Nicol Bolas, bringing the zombie army to Ravnica. Um, he has an ethereum metal like arm body everything he's basically like metal and stuff mm-hmm. uh, if you look at him he looks like Phyrexian but he's not um, he's from Alara um, but his body was replaced with like this uh, he's kind of is he like Wolverine I don't know he has a similar backstory of like somebody did some tests on him and made his body metal and he's upset by it um, yeah but he wants his body to be dark steel because it's like the strongest, most indestructible steel in the multiverse. Um, so he wants to get paid. He's ready to get paid. He's tired of uh, moving right. things around. He's like, when's it going to happen? Now, I don't know if it's because like story two ended with, all right, Teferi, like the planar, uh, sorry, the, the, t- the time machine is ready for you or... If it's as simple as both their names start with T-E. I thought it was Teferi when I first started reading this. Oh, yeah. Like, Teferi's watching them complete cart. What happened? Did, <laughs> what like, happened? the temporal anchor not work properly? Did it send <laughs> them to, like, the wrong... And, like, for a good, like, three paragraphs. I was like, what? And then something about his metal arm. I was like, oh, oh, oh. I should go back and reread this. Because <laughs> it's going to be a totally different context. Thinking of it as Teferi versus Deseret. That sounds... <laughs> exactly like the kind of thing i would normally do i know i was so confused though i was just like what to, where's teferi why, why, why are they just like all cool can they see him because they're interacting with him i thought it said it sends him as like a ghost image what is happening <laughs> it feels like there was a bit of a jump between the last two stories i need to explain uh, that <laughs> in fact it wasn't that large of a jump but uh uh trusting tesseret seems to be quite a large jump in my opinion but whatever um um, but if you want a good, uh, you know, food for thought, reread this story and just replace all Tezzeret with Deferi. <laughs> Deferi. You know, it's a totally different ride. For sure. <laughs> um, and that ride will start off with Tezzeret is now tasked to bring Karn's pieces over to our mother, which he's pretty pissed about. He thinks that he should just be paid right now. No more of these stupid tasks and these little things. Bring somebody here. Go there. Do the thing. He's over it. Um Though I kind of love that Karn is uh, just in, in pieces. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tezzeret puts on a Johnny's cloak to kind of hide Karn as he's going through New Phyrexia. And he's got this like guide that's supposed to show him where to go, which he's also pretty pissed about. Um, because he has been to New Phyrexia before, so he knows where all the places are and where to go. Um, so he's like, this is stupid. Um because of that, he ends up killing the guy to be like, fuck you, I don't need <laughs> He just you. kills the guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, well, it's, it was super weird because it says that he kills the guy because he's suspicious that it might be a trap. So we had found out that Tezzeret is working with Urbrask. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, maybe Elish Norn found out about that and is setting me up for a trap. I'm going to kill this guy. But then he just kind of goes to see Elish Norn anyways. Yeah. It's a little confusing. And also, um, 
when you talked about he him wanting his dark steel body, I got the impression that his, the temporal, what's a planar portal? The planar is like sapping his the planar strength. bridge. Like he, yeah, planar, the planar bridge is like something that he shoots out of his chest, like like Mega Man or something. I guess Mega Man did shoot out of his chest, but you know, like Iron Man or has that thing in his chest, and mm-hmm. I'm imagining that. Um, and it seems like that's weakening his body, and that's why he wants the dark steel, because it's like hugely uh, stronger. It, it it takes a lot out of him to, mm-hmm. you know, send these Phyrexian armies from point A to point B. Um, and I always thought the Planar Bridge was just like a big old portal sitting somewhere. I didn't realize it was like Teferi opens it up with his. You mean minerals. Tezzeret? Um, or Tesseract. Yeah. Yeah, those are the same characters. <laughs> the same character. <laughs> uh, so now I'm thinking, is it the Planar Bridge or the Planar Portal? Are they two different things? I was pretty positive it was the Planar Bridge in... Uh, it's definitely the Planar Bridge. Because he yeah. stole the Planar Bridge on Kaladesh, and that's what mm-hmm. he used for the... And then, like, put it in his own chest or something. Yeah, yeah. that was also weird, because I remember reading that on in War of the Spark, being like, how did he get it? How does he move it? And... And now right. it's like I'm imagining this huge app because if you look at the card, the planar Brit, it's like mm-hmm. a big old thing. Yeah, and Tezzeret isn't that much bigger. He's actually smaller. He goes inside of it. Right, he would go through the yeah. portal, so the portal must be bigger than him. Maybe they used but a I guess shrinking like, device to get it inside of him. Anyways, I whatever he has it. I understand. I guess that Teferi like shoots this portal out of his chest. Yeah, and it, yeah, really saps his strength. Mm-hmm. His body is failing him. Yeah. So anyway, uh, te- it does seem like Tezzeret is kind of working with our good guys team, has been kind like of feeding Teferi. information yeah. to Jace about uh, what's been going on. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's been helpful to them. That might be why they could put all the pieces together so quickly, but Jace doesn't happen to be the one who tells everybody. I think maybe he mentioned it to Fairy, But also he was in Kamigawa fucking up with people. I don't know. I don't feel... S- I don't know. I, I just don't feel great about Tezzeret through all of this. I'm like, no, don't, no. So I have a theory about this, but we can wait for the end. All right, let's wait for the end. Three. Let's kind of get through this, because I, 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 this one was fine, but I, I, it wasn't nearly as funny or, or anything as some of the other ones. It was no chapter two. Yeah. I did like that he kills the guide and then immediately doesn't know where he's going, because it turns out <laughs> yes. that the landscape changes. It, like, evolves over time and kind of shifts around. And so he did, in fact, need this guide to show him where to go. And he's, like, yeah. pissed he's lost now. <laughs> and um, he's trying to get to Mycosynth Lattice, which is, I don't know, just the big tower thing. Because um, there's something inside that he had seen before, and he wanted to go um, get some information about it. But the door doesn't really open. It's just, it's just like, dark. It's like a picture of a door. And he doesn't know how to like, open it correctly. And Karn just starts talking, <laughs> just kind of wakes up in his pieces and starts talking. Mm-hmm. And this whole part kind of just reminded me of in Empire Strikes Back when three CPOs in pieces and getting carried around by Chewie. <laughs> That's basically what it <laughs> felt like Karn was now. Um, just like, oh, you're just pretty much you're yeah. just a robot who's just in the shambles. <laughs> and I did like to call, like, I think he, he calls it like Memnark's Tower or something. Like they reference Memnark a bunch. Mm-hmm who was, like, previous leader of Mirrodin, I guess, the way back in, or 
you know, back in my day, Memnarch was yeah. the uh, ruler of Mirrodin. We talked about Memnarch a little bit in the Dominary United episode where uh, Karn created Memnarch is similar to how Urza created Karn, and Memnarch was right. supposed to take care of um, Argotham. I think that's the name that he gave Mirrodin before Memnarch turned it into Mirrodin, and then Mirrodin got turned into New Phyrexia. I think it's Argentum. Argentum, thank you. That makes sense because there's Argentum, Ardburn, all those cards that have that word in it. Hey, look at that. Anyway, so Karn ends up uh, asking Tezzeret to take his head off, and there's like a very easy little latch that just helps you pull (laughs) Karn's head off of his body. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You just have like, I don't know, one of those flip, flip clips. Just take your head off. That that's what I was imagining, right? <laughs> what? What? It's like a Grolsch pop top. Yeah. Uh, Urza, why would you make it so easy for people to take his head off? Well, I don't understand. Now I get the impression that like it doesn't matter. Like he can, can still control his body. Yeah. His head, you it. know, with a human, we are always like, dude, the head. That that's what controls everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for him, it's like the head is almost just to make him look more humanoid. It's not actually an. If the an thing that, that's true that that makes sense maybe it's like an accessory like um uh, urza actually had like a bunch of different karn dolls that he could like switch out the faces for whenever he wanted <laughs> depending on the day like a barbie and ken kind of thing <laughs> basically but his life-size ones um <coughs> or i was thinking about that because that struck so, me as odd too like why would you have your war machine have a like decapitate button yeah uh, um, but i think also it's like Karn can speak. Maybe, like, knowing Urza, he just wants to take Karn without Karn being there. Like, it's a Karn's huge. Mm -hmm. Just, like, pop his head off. And, like, I'm imagining him pulling out a little handle and then just walking out with with Karn's hand so that Karn could still communicate to him. Mm -hmm. He didn't have to have this giant oaf. Yeah, walking around with him, making a bunch of noise. Because remember the call earlier of, like, Urza's all about function. It's just, like, whatever he builds is just function. Function. And so I thought it tied in fairly well with that. It's just like, hey, maybe I need to pop this head off. That could be convenient. That's true. That does make sense. Um, Anyway, Karn helps us get through the door. He kind of just sticks his head into it, and then we just, like, walk through it, I guess. Yeah. And through all this, Tezzeret's walking up to try to get some answers about something, blah, 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 blah. The whole point was really that um, Tezzeret is thinking back about or talking to Karn about... um, his time with Nicol Bolas and why he did it. And uh, it's all just trying to get us on Tezzeret's side of like, maybe he could be good and all the bad things he did aren't as bad as we thought, or he had to do them because a, a worst person forced him to do it. That kind of stuff. Yeah. So this is where my theory kicks in. I think Tezzeret is like going to be instrumental for the side of good, quote unquote coming up. And this was, this chapter was is literally only here to make you, like Tezzeret mm-hmm. or hate him a little less. Mm-hmm. Like the whole argument was like, oh, well, Nicol Bolas was actually going to kill or try to kill the Phyrexians. But because you killed Nicol Bolas, mm-hmm. now the Phyrexians are a problem. So who's really evil here? Yeah. And it's like, still you, still, man. Still it's you. definitely still you. Because <laughs> like, the Phyrexians were perfectly fine stuck on their plane. They couldn't do anything until you came over with the fucking planer bridge, bro. What are you doing? You're the reason they're spreading. I w- I know that he... Yes, I agree with your analysis. 
an hypothesis that he is going to be instrumental into destroying the Phyrexians and helping the good guys. That is exactly what it feels like they're leading us into. I, I don't like it. I, I just don't agree with him. Yep, I don't agree with. You know what? You don't get absolved that easily, my nope. friend. Anyway, wasn't Tezzeret the one who carved all the markings onto Jace? He's just a bad dude. Yeah. But now they're trying to be like, hey, I'm not that bad. And like, you know, like I was forced to work for Nicol Bolas. And even he wasn't that bad. It's like, <laughs> it's no. Like, it's, no. This is a huge departure. You're super evil, man. Nope. You're super You're evil. fucking evil. <laughs> I do not care. Uh, honestly, I hope. <sighs> <laughs> you literally like completed Tamiyo. Like, yeah. You're just, no. No, no, you're no. you're you're a bad guy. You're a bad guy. Um, anyway, so that's what a lot of this was. Blah de blah de blah. We deliver Karn to Elish Norn, and she's happy that mother and father of machines are together again, and she's you know doing the mommy daddy stuff. Which. But uh, then Karn is also her daddy. Yeah. It's like they're the mommy and daddy of machines, but Karn is also her daddy. Yeah, and she's Karn's mommy, and then they like, yeah. kiss or whatever. I don't know. I don't know if that... They didn't really kiss, but in my mind, they did. Um, what are you into? Yeah. Uh, Tezzeret asks for his uh, Darksteel body, which Elish Norn, of course, says, there's one more thing you need to do for me before that, um, which classic mob boss mentality. Like, oh, I'll, yeah. I'll give you the thing. Just one more. I love this idea that like the more. 37th time there was one more thing, he's finally like, she's not going to give me it. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> she's never going to give this to me. It's when you're watching the movie and you're like, oh, like, poor guy. Mm-hmm. Like, uh-huh. I can't believe you don't see it. Like, you don't see on. it. She's obviously, she's obviously just using you and she's going to kill you when she's done with mm-hmm. you. She has no interest in yeah. giving you that. Like, yeah. like, and you're one of the bad people. You should know this is what you do. Right. Why would you Don't think, you do this to other people? Yeah, why would like, you think? So much trust. <laughs> or maybe that's why, as I'm asking this question he wouldn't think that someone else would do that to him because he does that to other people. Mm. So it's like, of course you're going to respect me, but I'm not going to respect other people. It's like, oh, no, I'm that kind of person to you. Well, I'm going to show you that I'm actually not someone you can fuck with or whatever. But then, like, he was already kind of a traitor. So Yeah, so whatever. Anyway, he is uh, asked to complete the rest of the Planeswalkers on Dominaria. (laughs) Seems like a, a big task. Like, hey... You know all the other people? Get every single one of them completed. He's like, fine. Um, but he's, he's going he's, he's gonna to take the task, but he has officially decided that he will no longer be actually helping them. He's just going to be mm-hmm. a saboteur and uh, destroy them from the inside out. Uh, also, we hear something about a realm breaker that he brought to New Phyrexia. Or he helped mm-hmm. build or something. Uh, I don't know what that is, but that's interesting. Some sort of ship that maybe he can like transport with the planar portal so it breaks realms. I don't know. It sounds like an yeah. Eldrazi thing, honestly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Hope so. Hope so. Can't wait for them. Um, and uh, anyway, now we're on Dominaria again. He, we are reunited with Rona. Uh, who believes that she is in charge. However, Tezzeret fucking just wrecks her and uh, shows everyone that he is the boss. Yeah. He does acknowledge that she's slightly less shitty than last time he fought her, Mm -hmm. but ultimately, yeah. yeah, He just just owns her. She's still shitty. 
And that is the end of chapter three. Okay. So I know you're reading along. This is all super important information. Um, Good thing we stored all of this knowledge about Tesseret in our minds, right? Mm -hmm. I'm I'm happy with it. Chapter four is The Dark. Now we are back on Dominaria, and this story is going to be from Elspeth's perspective, which is great. I love Elspeth. Hooray! And she has all the halo power now. He keeps reminding you that she has the, um, yes, the her new sword. Uh, I can't remember what it's called right now, um, but it's Giada's gift. Either. Yes, Giada's gift. Mm. Um, the card that is terrible. It, you know the one. Uh, look cool though. Anyway, um, so she is practicing her fighting stuff. But doesn't happen. It doesn't seem to have her uh, her moves working quite right. So something is off. And so she's gonna, of course, talk to Renan Seven, who's standing close by in the rain, just watching her, and is talking about the songs inside of her, which is what Jeff was alluding to earlier. With the <laughs> Renan Seven's like, there. Are, I see two songs inside of you. The melody of one is a single note, and the melody of the other is. Um, I don't know, a little bit uh, darker. <laughs> so it's kind of like the light yeah. and the dark of her mm-hmm. personality, and she's trying to decide which way to go. Um, so she's kind of split in the middle. I don't know. Again, maybe it's setting up for something that I'm not aware of yet, but it's like, I guess we're supposed to understand that coming back from the dead had, like, she brought something with her, there's consequences or whatever. Like, Oh, know. interesting. I, I don't know what I was... supposed to take from this really (laughs) i guess i was thinking i was thinking it was more like you have two paths you can take right now and you're you you can either stay or go and you have to choose which one and that will be or is it that she's like a sleeper agent i don't know and and ren's detecting that like the dark side that she's detecting is the sleeper agent i don't know i had a bunch of theories and i was just like they're not gonna elucidate any of that maybe i that does sound kind of nice throughout this entire story uh, there is a letter written to her from Ashiok, which is a mm-hmm. bit cryptic and uh, says a lot of things and and whatever. So I, I didn't think it was extremely important, but maybe it's a lot more important than I thought. There's a lot of those throughout. So maybe that's there's it, something that has to, that happened with Ashiok when she was dead and he's paired up with uh, the Phyrexians. Yeah, and it's a spoiler because you only find out that the letter is written by Ashiok at the end. That's true. Um, so, anyway. But it makes sense. Like, I guess in the Theros underworld, Elspeth would have met Ashiok. Mm-hmm. Well, they're also in the same set together, and if cards are in the same set, they met each other, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. The Theros underworld mm-hmm. set. <laughs> Whatever that one was called. Be Theros Beyond Death. Mm-hmm. Um, now... Uh, Nissa and Chandra show up in the rain. Uh, they want to to be part of the Planeswalker group that's fighting on Dominaria. And is it kind of a big deal? Because Nissa, last time we saw her, like kind of said, fuck all y'all, I'm out. I'm done with totally. this whole Gatewatch thing. I no longer will be helping the Gatewatch. Uh, so it was like, whoa, yeah. you're, you're just back. Okay, cool, nice. And we were like, you know what? We've had enough of you shaking the world anyways. Yeah. That was, that was fucked up, Nissa. Um, 
And while Chandra's back, she gets to have a nice late night drinking session with Joda where they kind of reminisce about um, Jaya and kind of, uh, you know, are. This was my favorite part of this chapter. Mm -hmm. The rest of it, I can pretty much take it or leave it, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But this was nice. And there's even a part like where they're getting started, like they're both drinking and Chandra's like, yeah, I was practicing with Jaya once and I like burned down half a forest. She's like, don't tell Nissa though. Uh It's like, oh, that's, that's a cute little like, you know, couple of lines Mm -hmm. that they had in there. Yeah. I thought that was, it was really nice to finally see, like I was saying before that Joda seems to be perfectly well and fine after the whole Jaya thing where the last book he was destroyed. This was nice because this is what I was wanting from before, where we needed right. like a whole chapter of like a funeral for Jaya. That's how you like do it. I don't know. <laughs> um, like it's a whole character that is. I mean, Joda and Jaya are from, I believe, the Ice Age novels. Mm-hmm. I read those, and that story involves them meeting, and Jaya is like a young hothead fire mage or whatever. Um, so, so it's I, like. I, they probably I just kind of killed her things. off and blew past it because she's not a character of modern era that people are super into. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I feel like this character deserves some sort of acknowledgement that <laughs> not sacrifice their life for yeah. the cause. And it's it's one of those things that can be lost often, I guess. And I think what people really would have wanted from that death is a moment to have to say goodbye and everyone, we get to go through and see how they were affected by this death kind of thing. Right. I think we're both just huge character development people. And these are like big opportunities for that kind of character development. I, so when we see them not happen, it's like, come on, this was the time to do this. I don't even think it's we are character development people. I think every person who's into a story needs the emotional uh through line to get you there and when it's kind of faked or not really the effort isn't put into that then you lose interest people like emotions people are interested in this stuff focus on this stuff get people invested you know if a really important character dies put the weight into the same i'm I'm actually too cool to have emotions (laughs) yeah if you do that (laughs) um instead we had like a rushed thing about a kind of a spoiler for the next set like come on give us a proper goodbye uh but i think that's why i liked this part the best it's just mm -hmm. like hey they actually acknowledged it a little bit like these are people drinking and then elspeth comes in and they're like oh you're mourning your friend they're like no we're celebrating her life Mm -hmm. and like and they have you know that's just a nice little sort of image yeah and they have another weird moment where like so they were talking about how terrible a cook jaya is and Mm -hmm. joda is laughing about which is hilarious because in and of its own right because of the she burns everything (laughs) yeah (laughs) um well i was thinking on two levels so yes she burns everything and uh how joda's favorite biscuit things are terrible to teferi so this whole weird right thing with all the food stuff. Um, Classic roach flour. Yeah. Coming back again. But she burns the roach flour, man. Yeah, it she sucks. It. Um, <laughs> but he gets kind of sad because uh, through that laughter, it kind of turns into crying of just like, I, of course, I, what I wouldn't give to, to be able to taste her, I don't know. Terrible cookies or whatever. Yeah, terrible, yeah. I don't know, lasagna or whatever. Yeah. So um, that's nice. And that feels 
you know, th- those are things we can connect with. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> stories of big planeswalkers and people who cast spells and stuff. We do need something that we can connect with on an emotional level that's normal. <laughs> so uh, give us these. <laughs> we need stuff like this. Right. Um, yeah. Like you need reminders that they're still human or like based on mm-hmm. humans. Yeah. So th- this chapter, you know, spoiler alert, this chapter is by far my least favorite one. And that was the moment that I really liked mm-hmm. them. So that was like the one I wanted to pick. Yeah. Up. That was nice. Um, so Elspeth, anyway, comes by. Uh, they're kind of explaining how uh, they, like you said before, were actually uh, celebrating her life and not just mourning her, which is something Elspeth should practice because she is mourning a lot of deaths, including her... She's the, gone through a lot of shit. She's gone through a lot of shit. Um, yeah. But she has decided that she's going to stay and fight with Joda, and she wants to be part of the rebellion, I guess. She's not leaving. Um, in the middle of the night, there is a attack from the Phyrexians, and everyone has to get to their battle stations and start going, fighting stuff. Uh, so uh, Elspeth and Joda run outside, and there's a bunch of clay soldiers that start to fight as well. I didn't realize that they had an army built, I guess. Did you realize this? Yeah, so again, this is, uh, if you've seen the last Harry Potter movie, they, like, tell the spell, and a bunch of, like, these things jump down from Hogwarts and, like, start marching towards the enemy mm-hmm. uh, to fight the bat. This, it, this is exactly the same thing, again. So it's, like, more... Uh, apparently they had these robots that Sahili made or something that they could just call to defend. Yeah, or um, did like Joda learn how to make these from the pocket dimension well, and then make it here? There just was never explicitly like we're uh, working on making more robots. It was like well, they sort of throw it in that at some. I guess apparently Elspeth was in charge of the defense plans. Yeah, the whole time. But I didn't. And then it's like, and her plan was super bold, and it's like what. What was it? Her plan sounds exactly like the plan from Harry Potter where they run out, lure people out, blow up the bridge as they're running away, yeah. and then like summon these like clays. It's like exactly the same plan. Yeah, which is exactly what happens. But I thought <laughs> I I knew that she was in charge of like defenses and stuff, but when did they have the time to make an army? I don't know. Like she wasn't even <laughs> on board with the team. She was gonna leave. Yeah, and But no, apparently she was like making defense the whole i don't know what i don't know um <laughs> this chapter sucked yeah <laughs> so through all of that um blah 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 there's a lot of fighting fighting chapters are kind of boring to me because uh there's, <laughs> there's <Yeah. laughs> it usually just kind of goes back and forth and at, at least in this place i wasn't wondering if they were wolf or human at every single line <laughs> <laughs> like in astrologies um but they were still just fighting and it's like oh parried and then she turned around and tried to attack their midsection mm-hmm. but they were ready and blocked with their shit just like it's super it's cool in a movie when that takes 12 seconds when i'm like reading that paragraph after paragraph yeah, it takes so much more like, time even though i can imagine it it's still like it's in slow-mo because i can't read all read of that, that in 12 seconds <laughs> like, yeah anyway there's uh this phyrexian sky ship that emerges and it sprouts these giant legs that are bigger than the tower. It looks like it's going to crush our, our base camp. Uh, so Joda gives Elspeth this uh, pouch that Jaya had given him, I guess it's kind of like her last spell 
That's what it seems like. And anyway, uh, they both run over and use it. So they like run up to the skyship and are by it. And then they just throw this pouch on the ground and it explodes this giant light and kills the skyship. They're like, yay, we did it. Yeah. So I interpreted this as like Jaya's immolating Inferno, mm-hmm. you know, the like uh, legendary spell from Dominaria yeah, or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But Joda's like, oh, everyone knows that light is pretty much the same as fire. So you should be able to use the spell in the same way. Mm-hmm. And because I could see that you have good light magic. <laughs> and then he like gives her a pouch that is the spell. I thought it was so stupid. But all right. So there's like paragraph after paragraph of random fights. And then uh, this light thing spell. Yeah. And, I don't know. and like Joda seems like. I don't know. Anyways, whatever. The, the, this light thing explodes the the skyship that grew legs. Like, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> to, to me, this... I don't know if you have the same experience, but I was reading it, and I kept looking at the side where it's like the scroller to see how much is left. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm not even halfway. Yeah. <laughs> this is so long. Yes. <laughs> this one was awful. Yeah. Sometimes that happens. Uh, from somewhere, I can't remember if it's the skyship or somewhere else, but Rona jumps out and stabs yeah, Joda. Rona appears and stabs Joda. <laughs> uh, everyone's stabbing people out of nowhere and just jumps out. Uh, so she, she, she stabs Joda and then Elspeth is lying on the ground and she's so exhausted from the spell that she just, uh, emitted that she can't really fight back. And... Uh, she's trying to block Rona's glaive, but it gets through her, her shield, which is one of those buckler shield things and goes through her forearm, which is just like, so now she's attached to Rona's weapon and they're kind of, they're trying to slash at each other, but they're both stuck in the, and it's just not, it's not looking great for our, for our team. Um, Mm -hmm. classic fighting battle thing where, oh, everybody looks like they're going to die. And then something happens and now they're not going to die. Um, it would mean something different if it didn't happen like every battle we ever have ever. Right. Um, it just always happens. Anyway, when she's attached to Rona, Tezzeret comes out of the darkness and says that he forgot to dismantle the Phyrexian soldiers that are closer to the tower. And he was dismantling the other ones being like, Hey, I'm helping you guys out. I was supposed to do all that yep. before, but I, oops, missed I'm it. Such a good person. Yeah, hurt some of you. Um, and then he just uh, detaches Rona from Elspeth and picks her up uh, and just walks away and doesn't kill anybody. And then he's like, <laughs> there's a point where, you know, because Elspeth, I guess, slashed Rona's shoulder. And he, Tezzeret shows up and looks at her and he's like, oh, she's still alive. What a shame. Should have aimed for her neck. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you could just kill her yeah, now you could if you do were it. really like you don't have to bring her back alive you could yeah. pretend that Elspeth killed like nobody's gonna know yeah um, so everything about this chapter just felt like it was super long and none nothing that happened mattered because everyone comes out of it okay yeah. in the end and like yeah. there's no actual development that happens here. <laughs> I mean they kind of leave Joda being like is he gonna live or is he gonna die Oh, no, never mind. Th- that's what I thought. I was like, this yeah. chapter's here because Joda died. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, no. No. <laughs> I forgot that Elspeth has the halo from before and <laughs> puts it in him, and then he's, like, saved by the halo, uh, the angel dust. Or the, <laughs> mm-hmm. the crushed up angels. The cocaine. The cocaine. 
Hey, cocaine saves lives. Heard it here first, folks. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Jeff, I'm through this. I got more upset. I was laughing at the end <laughs> of the last uh, beer break, but uh, I know. now I'm kind of on a downer. So let's just go over chapter two again. <laughs> no, we got to get to the end. Uh, but let's go for a beer break before we get there. Third beer of the night. Jeff, what do we got here? This is Mill Street Organic. So, I don't know what they're, like, how wide a range, how wide a net they can cast in terms of who might have heard of this beer. But if you're from Canada, you've probably heard of it. It's, mm-hmm. like, the biggest uh, sort of old-school brewery out of, uh, you know, in the GTA greater Toronto area and this is their classic like just lager I think we decided they were like big mainstream enough that this is a macro brew at this point so yeah they don't uh people I don't know depending on your age the this beer might feel um newer or older to you but mm-hmm. um basically saying like oh you know, people my parents' age would be like, oh, that's a craft brewery, right? Um, but people... <laughs> people our age would say no. <laughs> no. Or people younger than us would be like, yeah, that's been around forever. Because right. it, it yeah. is... Well, it's 20 years old, which in logger years is not very old. But mm. as far as, uh, you know, kind of craft brewery stuff, um, it feels it's one of the older ones. Yeah. And it's 4.2%. So now it's definitely a silver beer. There's no question. So yeah. Uh, you know, oh yes. If you're like, Hey, that's not a macro brew. It doesn't fit. This is a silver series folks. And it's a silver beer. So mm-hmm. it, it is, uh, it didn't even win its episode. So we both gave it silver two last time it was on the show. So mm-hmm. that can tell you that, uh, yeah, I, another macro brew beat it out. Here we go. There we go. So, Zach, let's talk about Exodus. All right. Chapter five. So this time we're following Nissa. Um, yeah. Uh, I was surprised to see this personally because, as, as we said last time, Nissa was, like, done with everything. Mm-hmm. And then I was the, I thought the only reason she was there is, like, like her girlfriend kind of dragged her along, kind of thing. Like, oh, Chandra really wants me to go. So yeah. I go. And then it's like kind of the opposite. It's like Nissa's here and taking everything super seriously. And like Chandra just, I guess, pieced out at some point. And they tell us about that, but it's not super explicit. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This, this one was interesting. The, yeah. So, um, it was interesting catching up with Nissa because we haven't seen her since uh, Zendikar Rising, which she was dealing with stuff with um, Nahiri and Jace. Um, yeah. Remember that name, Nahiri, by the way. Yeah, so Nahiri is, uh, is somewhat important. but um, So she is back, and she's talking strategy with everyone, all of our friends uh, at this table, uh, trying to help out the multiverse. And Chandra wants to destroy every last Phyrexian. She has genocide on her mind. Let's kill yep. every last one. 
get those motherfuckers out of here. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. Uh, so she. I feel like they were trying to like delve into some themes here, where they were like, "Oh, Nicol Bolas, like, yeah, he was evil, but he was also trying to kill the greater evil, and by taking like." Like, oh, so was he really evil after all? And then now they're like, oh, is killing all the Phyrexians like a bad thing? You know, it, mm-hmm. it, I yeah. feel like they're trying to delve into some like war themes kind of thing. Like, Well, um, yeah, because they're bringing up again, once again, we have this thing of like, is it uh, to save loved ones or save people you care about? Is it okay to, to kill other people? And... Right. They're talking about the Silex that they have created. They can take it right now to New Phyrexia and detonate it and blow up all of New Phyrexia, which would include the Mirans who are trying to right. fight back and they're the rebellion. So Chandra says she's all for going, blowing up the entire plane. Get that fucking thing out of here. I don't give a shit what happens. Kill everybody. And yeah. everyone else is kind of saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey. There are people yeah. on there fighting to take back their land. Let's not kill them because we, we Which like Which I didn't know, by the way. I didn't understand. Like, I guess I never thought about it, but mm-hmm. I just sort of assumed the Mirans were wiped out and it's Phyrexia now. Like, they all the Mirans were either killed or completed. Mm-hmm. And so it's there's Phyrexians. And so in Chapter 1, when they say is like recruiting the Mirans to fight back, that surprised me. So, like, I, I just don't really understand, given how we know how Phyrexians behave, that there's this world that is Phyrexian, but there are Mirans still living there. Yeah. Um, it but just... I guess there are. It almost seems like it was just planted there to have this discussion with Chandra. Of like, mm-hmm. oh, we can't just blow it up because we could kill innocent people. Yeah, and it does seem like... We've been trying to figure out where Koth was for a really long time, and that was an important reveal that he's still alive on New Phyrexia, underground. It's kind of an underground rebellion, but obviously, I don't know, Phyrexians know about it. They just don't seem to care very much. It does seem kind of... I feel like this wasn't canon until this, that, like, there are mirrors still around, and Koth isn't dead. I feel like they had the intention of, like them all being dead right because well people i remember on twitter i saw people talking about it uh during new capena because they're like oh well eurobraska's there because eurobraska's running the the um the rebellion on oh new so Paris. this was just a just a known thing apparently yeah so i wasn't extremely privy to it but I i'm, I'm just something. a dummy that that's all well, no, I mean, it wasn't said in the story of New Capena. I was saying that people on Twitter were talking about it, and it was from another piece that I, I wasn't aware of either, so. Gotcha. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, that is kind of the conversation they have there. And then we uh, go back to the battle night. So once again, we are woken up in the middle of the night by the Phyrexians attacking the tower. But this time it's from Nissa and Renan Seven's perspective. Oh, sorry, it's Nissa's perspective. But Renan Seven is also there, uh, helping Nissa out with uh, with yeah. fighting what they're dealing with, which is closer to the tower. So um, Elspeth and Joda are further away, and Nissa and Ren are up at the top. Um, there's also this like angel general thing that's a phyrexian that they're trying to deal with they did mention this creature or character earlier i think 
in Tezzeret's story, he says something about an angel. Right, that, like, right, 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 right. He hates. Mm-hmm. Like, God, that fucking angel's being a bitch again. Um, I assume that's supposed to be the same one. That's yeah, that would make a lot of sense because I remember that as well. So this thing is the what's controlling the army, basically, to attack it's this the tower. general. The general. And these are the troops that Tezzeret says he forgot to dismantle or whatever when he comes up uh earlier so hey if tesseret says he's forgot he forgot man like he's a good dude yeah yeah he, can he, be he's very trustworthy um yeah. so nissa hatches a plan that uh she just needs a little help getting up to the angel but she's sure she can fuck her up and stop this whole thing so ren and seven just takes her and flings her up there without yeah. sacrificing her just throws her on top uh, Nissa lands on top and it like embeds these like seeds into the angel and then the right. seeds sprout into these vines that wrap around the angel's wings and so it can no longer fly and they now, both... there was a card about this right that like every time it attacks like more and more things get generated there's some sort of like equipment that was terrible but I think maybe good in commander and has Nissa on it I think this is a reference to that sword that uh Oh, the... Wait, really? are you talking about the um, Sword of the Animist? Yeah. Where you like you attack and you get a land? Right, so you're like generating... Like, seeds are supposed to be the land, I think. But Interesting. Sorry. There uh, was a whole thing in this story about, like, the uh, Gaia, who is the nature in Dominaria, mm-hmm. like, rejected Nyssa, or, like, the land rejected Nyssa... And then this is like, no, I'm cool, I swear. And then the land was like, okay, sweet, now I'll fight for you. It was like, why is this? It was so random because it was a pet peeve of mine is when they introduce problems that don't need to be there and then solve them trivially. Mm-hmm. It's like, you should introduce problems for a reason, not just like, oh, Nissa couldn't connect with the land. But then she's like, hey, check me out. I'll show you some stuff I did on Zendikar. And I guess the land can like see her thoughts. Yeah. And it was like, Oh, you are a land lover. A land like, lover. He's not like a pirate. Was, <laughs> I know. Right. It's all super weird, but it's also solved in a few paragraphs. Yes. But it's just like, what did you not hit your word count or something? Like, why is this here? Mm-hmm. But anyways, she then gets the land, her side and she, jumps onto seven and uses her power to like grow seven and then seven chucks her and it's all just like wow the, that was a lot there's a lot of unnecessary like things conflict, i guess yeah because when she comes down like the as they fall together down to the earth nissa kind of goes inside dominaria again and is talking to the world soul that's going to help her um, mm-hmm. And it fills her with, like, this power and blood thirst and rage, which are not normal things uh, mm-hmm. Nissa feels. Uh, very, very similar to Chandra's no mercy mode of kind of like... And by the way, am I remembering this right? That Chandra's just, like, has pieced out by this point? And yes. And like saying goodbye to her mom or something it was like super yeah so uh there's a moment just not here anymore we're kind of like explaining where everybody is and after chandra says that she wants to kill all the phyrexians she like goes to kaladesh 
to yeah to talk to her mom and then there's a kind of an explanation of why a bunch of people aren't there at that moment dur- during the battle it's like oh yeah um jace is dealing with some stuff on ravnica and soren <laughs> is doing some stuff on uh innistrad with um uh, uh the wolf woman i can't remember her name at the moment and arlen arlen and it's just kind of like, oh, all these other people are around, but we have some other folks with us. And it's but just Chandra's the super weird one because she was there. Yeah, in and the then she just left. Chapter. And it's like, okay, no, she, she was left there to at save... the beginning of this chapter. She was here, and then she left. Right. Oh yeah, because she's mm-hmm. the one who wanted to kill everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like either she just left, which is very strange. Or it's like she went to say goodbye to her family, which is important. Like, that's something you should describe. Yeah. Like, she thinks they're all going to die or there's a good chance and mm-hmm. wants to go like, say goodbye to her family. Like, don't tell me about Nyssa not being able to communicate with, with the, like, nature and then five seconds later can communicate with like don't don't write that i don't care about that yeah tell me why chandra is going to say goodbye to her parents because like we think well her mom her dad's dead but like her mom sorry yeah, uh, her mom. yeah. <laughs> um yeah i don't know maybe something in jaya's like talking to joda about parental figures she's like oh, i gotta go say goodbye you know or whatever well um, like i couldn't tell if it's like she was embarrassed because she suggested genocide and like had to get out of there. <laughs> Not really. It doesn't really seem like a Chandra thing to be embarrassed about wanting right. to burn like, stuff up. It's I, I don't know. We just get this aside that oh by the way Chandra's gone. She went to Kaladesh to say get, goodbye to her mom. We get so much shit like that in these stories. It's so confusing. And and I'd be okay with it if I'm like hey there's a word count. It's a short story. You have you can't tell everything. Mm-hmm. But it's like don't why the, why the part about Nissa communicating with the land didn't matter. I don't just tell me that. out there all of you when you read these stories because I know you do and you have not gotten this far into the podcast if you haven't already read it because that's I'm I'm just sure of it. Why do you read the the magic stories? Do you read the stories because you want to read the fighting stuff? Or are you interested in all the character things? Like, which one's more important? Because maybe it seems like they're, they're may, they might be, like, off. Right. Their axis, you know, um, of what's important. But for me, it's the character stuff. Yeah. No question. So. Yeah, I'd rather they all, like, just, what if it was just, like, a sitcom and they got to, like... I just want to learn more about the characters and what, how they differentiate from each other and who gets along with who and why. And that's, those are the things as opposed to we're going to band together to fight the evil and we're the good guys. Like, yeah, give me something, give me more stuff. Why give me the, the fights or the, you know, the inner planeswalker things. Anyway. Uh, Anyways, to get us back on track, Nissa is now, aligned aligned with her girlfriend that we should just kill everyone yeah basically we are also thinking about how ajani and karn uh mm-hmm. are over there and it's kind of like can we save them when the time comes will we be able to save those people or is it now like no they're we need to let them go and they are going to die with the rest of them and we're going to kill them like they're fucked you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're not them anymore. Yeah. They're, um, and there wasn't a weird moment in the, in chapter three, which I forgot to mention, but I wanted to mention it. You know, you mentioned how Tesseret was using a Johnny's like cloak 
which mm-hmm. I think was Elspeth's, um, or given to him by Elspeth or something. And Tezzeret mentions, like, he's not totally convinced that a Johnny is, the real Johnny isn't in there mm-hmm. because of this act. And I thought, I thought it was, like, really weird. He was like, I don't know if it, that's a Johnny or not. And then Johnny gives him the cloak to, like, wipe some blood away or something. Um, and Tezzeret's like, oh, why would he show his hand like that, that the real one's still in there? I'm like, what? Because he gave you his... I didn't get that part at all. Yeah. And I wanted to mention that it made no sense to me. But I think the idea was that they're trying to, like, tell you a Johnny's still in there. Maybe he's still in there. I don't know. I think it's just one of those other... One of the classic things I had to read multiple times because I'm like, I don't understand this. (laughs) Yeah, I think what I'm excited for is, like, if... Once again, I don't know if I'm just because I want people to die, but <laughs> the story sounds a lot more compelling. Sounds a lot like Chandra. If a Johnny's still in there, but we wipe him out anyway. <laughs> well, I think what's going to happen is they're going to like fight a Johnny, or whatever, and they're going to be able to convince him, "Hey, you're still in there. Like, come out, be yourself. You know who you are." And he's going to be like, "Oh, thank you, guys." Like. I found myself again. I'm that you saved me. And then Kaya's gonna come in and slit his throat. <laughs> <laughs> oh. so like, Sorry guys, I thought he was evil. It was, oh he no, he yeah, we, we brought him out. Oh, that's yeah. too bad. <laughs> Shoot. Um no, I'm I'm fairly positive. Like if there was a moment where they like go up to him and be like, Hey, wake up. You're still you. Here's some of Joda's biscuits. <laughs> Eat them, you know, remember, it's the roach flower. Remember. That's why they keep bringing it up. Yeah. The roach flower is going to save it. Um, I really hope that's not how he comes back. I really hope... Like, I love a Johnny. A Johnny's great. I love Tamio. Tamio's also great. I wish we actually talked about her ever, because she's never <laughs> she's spoken still about her. not in. <laughs> no, she's like... Like, she's referenced as, like, basically the trial run. Could they complete a planeswalker? They're like, yeah, we did it. So then we tried it with a real planeswalker, like a Johnny. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's like even this this moment, they're like, oh no, a Johnny and Carner there. It's like, yeah, Tamio's there too. Do you not remember Tamio? That was a big deal when she got. I thought it was. I know. <laughs> it just doesn't matter. Yeah. I uh, I also think. Completing sucks because every planeswalker who's been completed, their card is trash. Mm-hmm. So it obviously makes them worse. It's because they want to have Phyrexian mana in it, and they're so worried about them being good. Yeah. Yeah, the next... So like, I, let, let's design a cool-looking card and then just trash all the numbers so there's no way anyone can play it ever. <laughs> it's like, minus seven... Look at the top one card of your library. <laughs> what the fuck is this? <laughs> Anyways, we should get back to story time. <laughs> we should get back to story time. Let's finish this bitch out. Let's go to All the. Right. Let's go to the tower. Um, let's go to the tower. We did it. Uh, everyone, uh, we killed all the Phyrexians uh, on Dominaria at the moment from that one battle. We're alive. That's great. We go back to the tower. Mm-hmm. We're at the top of the tower with the temporal anchor, uh, which. Uh, was uh, destroyed by this like power stone implosion uh, that just uh, kind of happened 
while Teferi was stuck inside. So earlier, back when uh, we were fixing the... I don't know if we even mentioned this, but backs when we were trying to fix... We were doing the ghosts. We were too focused on the ghost with Kaya and, and uh, Sahili. After the ghost was gone, they then successfully got Teferi into the coffin and Teferi... Yeah, yeah. that's why I was so confused when in Chapter 3 it was Tezzeret, because I was like, oh... Chapter 3 is obviously going to be about Teferi's travels. Mm-hmm. But I guess the main set of stories is about Teferi's. It is. It is. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Teferi has been in the coffin in the time thing the whole time. And I guess something that Let's we... Let's call sh- it a tanning bed. The, he's in the tanning bed. The ta- he's in the tanning the, bed. And uh, we should have mentioned this before, but the whole reason we're fighting to save the tower is because Teferi's in there trying to figure out the stuff with the Silex. Right. And presumably... Um, he has the solution. Yeah. Like he has, fa- he had, we're assume we're, you know, if we assume he failed in his mission, we're all fucked anyways. So we're going to mm-hmm. assume he succeeded in his mission mm-hmm. of discovering the secrets of the Silex. Yeah. So, um, also important to note that Kaya is there to help facilitate his journey in the spiritual realm uh, or not, sorry, in, in his spiritual experience in the past and she is also there in her mind so she can see what he sees i guess and they can talk to each other while they're doing this it's felt like another storytelling crutch here yeah like, uh, yeah i don't know what the like mag- word for macguffin of like that it's not an actual object but it's like a yeah I don't know. It's a cheater's way to tell a story. Yeah. (laughs) It felt like was happening here. Yeah. Also, if you don't know what a MacGuffin is, it's just like a a plot moving device. It's, we need to get a thing. The Silex. Yeah. Yeah. But the, well, the, the Silex like matters because it blows up a thing, but like the journey to get it is more important than the thing that it is, is usually Mm -hmm. what a MacGuffin is. We're like, it just doesn't matter. Right. It's just like Um, an object that moves the plot forward. The plot along. Um, even if it video games are rife with these, yeah, amazing, it's a thing. I'm always like, look at all the MacGuffins in this fucking video game. Yeah, None just, of that shit ended up mattering. Yeah, but. it's it's just like a thing that you go to find, and it just doesn't do anything. Um, right, because the the point. But then on your route to like finding it, that story develops. Exactly, things like that. So, anyway, um, during the battle. There is a power stone that imploded in the temporal anchor, and Teferi is stuck between time and space. So he is... Um, I hate just, when that happens. Yeah, it's so annoying. His body is in present day, but his spirit is in the past, because Jaya just split him apart. Right. Uh, or Kaya did, sorry, not Jaya. Jaya's dead. Wow. Insensitive. <laughs> Kaya believes that when Teferi was learning <clears throat> about the Silex... She also learned enough that she might be able to use it. And so maybe we don't even need to ferry. <laughs> then they all leave besides Joda and Ren and Seven, who stay to protect Teferi. So right. they so all... So Teferi's still in the tanning bed, and they're just going to stand around the tanning bed in case more Phyrexians come. Uh, in case Teferi comes back, I guess, and gives them the vital information. Or maybe mm. they just like him and don't want him to die. I don't know. I think it's both of those things... Also, Joda is still wounded from the battle. He was he was, his life was saved by the halo, but I don't think he was completely cured of yeah. his ailments. Um, and Ren and Seven, we don't need to have Ren and Seven go anywhere. But 
while we are discussing all the different planeswalkers who came to fight for this thing, it's just like a list of just like fucking people. So we get like, that's, uh, we had Vivian earlier, but like Vivian's there and we have obviously Jace. G- <laughs> I don't, did Jace even show up? I don't even know. But like the yeah, ones yeah, he was there at the end yeah. that, that we're confusing are like, um, we have Kaito makes sense. The wandering yeah. emperor or the wanderer and the wandering emperor. Wonder. Yeah. Didn't we end up where Kaito could not find the Wandering Emperor because their spark is not stable? Pretty sure that doesn't make any fucking sense. I think sense. the Wandering or so I think Kaito just had a, a nice big bowl of ramen and then just boom. Yeah. Oh, she's he here. Popped in. Oh, um, oh yeah, I'll help. Yeah. So that doesn't really make a ton of sense. And fucking Luca, Luca is oh, there. Luca, Luca was like explicitly evil in that story. I, I don't know. Luca is <laughs> <was> so weird. <laughs> He's he's explicitly evil in Ikoria, where he's like, right. yeah, do just doing terrible. Then he, he's like randomly in Strixhaven, where he's also super weird and evil and evil. <laughs> so it's like, what, <laughs> what, like why even say write his name? It had nothing to do with anything. Why just delete it? Yeah, super weird. He's not there. He's not in this. He's not. Maybe Luca's the key to it all. Yeah, Luca is the... Whatever. We're at the end of the story. There's an epilogue where Teferi finds himself no longer a spirit, but he is on a beach. Yeah. Okay. Um, and he was just hoping that Kaya heard enough of his conversation with Urza that she can use the Silex. And he gets up and... Uh, he sees some footprints in the sand, realizes he isn't alone in this, on this beach, and starts walking to figure out what to do. And we don't know where he is. I think the big thing I took away from this, I don't know if it was in the epilogue or, or previously, but um, it just goes into detail about Teferi feeling the effects of aging, um, mm. which I guess normally he does not because he's... Right. Um, temporal arc man, whatever he's like a, he's a time wizard guys he's a time wizard he's your classic time wizard um so i thought that was interesting they're like explicitly calling out that essentially his powers are Diminishing. my my interpretation was that his powers are gone or mm-hmm. if not gone they're weakened because he that's like what he's telling. Oh, I I feel myself getting older, which is unusual for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know because it's like projecting his spirit back. Um, anyway, something something is up with Teferi. Yeah. Um, this I, and again, I suspect this is just because when you have a time wizard, a lot of problems can be easily solved, and people would be like, "Why didn't Teferi just go back in time and change this?" So they need, like, narrative reasons why that didn't happen. Yeah. That's what this seems like to me. Teferi's knocked out in the tanning, tanning bed. His time wizard powers are not working properly. And uh, people are, like, watching over him to make sure he doesn't get killed. Yeah, but real quick, Teferi doesn't... He doesn't go back in time, really, himself, like, normally. Right? Most of his powers are about slowing down the current time, right? Uh, I think he has gone back in time, though, hasn't he? 
Maybe I'm wrong about that. I mean, I he might have. He could have. And maybe he decided, oh, I shouldn't do that anymore. Um, I thought that was his whole story. That, like, he knew what happened to his plane. And then he, like, went back in time to save it. And the only way he could save it was, was to move it to another dimension. All right. That's pro- that probably checks out. All right. <clears throat> I'm fine with that. But I don't think he does that anymore. <laughs> that's why he decided to do because they stuff. realized time travel is and that, yeah, and <laughs> too easy to solve any problem you could probably you could throw at it also so like, it was his biggest mistake uh, in trying to save them because he disappeared right it's the whole thing like I'll never use that power again mm-hmm. because it was yeah well then I don't know why they have to Perry incapacitated right now but they they felt the need to call out that he is not his usual self yeah we know he's going to be in the next story because he's part of the product's placement. Spoiler. Well, we saw pictures of it. Um, (laughs) Maybe you did. Though, um, I will say that at the end where he shows up on the beach and he doesn't know where he is, is exactly how we started Ixalan with Jace showing up on the beach not knowing where he is. Mm. So... Knowing that we're going to Ixalan again felt like, oh, that would be Maybe interesting. Maybe Teferi is going to get with Frasca. Yeah. Actually, that was my favorite. If, if you ever read the Ixalan ones, we should do Ixalan, actually, when we get to it. Let's just, you know, we can throw in drunken Vorthoses that are not uh, That's true. current. I mean, Ixalan's a long time to wait, man. Yeah, but uh, we could do that one because that's probably, they're like, the, there's a chapter with Jason Vraska, which is like my favorite of like every story I've ever read. I think of magic stuff. Maybe I should Dude, go back better than chapter two. <laughs> maybe I should go back and read it again. And maybe I don't like it as much, but I remember being like, this is, this is nice. This is, but it's also just like Jason Vraska going on a date. And I was like, this is the best story ever. <laughs> um, don't give me Good any of that sexy Jace. battle shit. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, this this has been the Drunken Vorthos for the side stories for Dominaria. No, for Brothers Warp. Jeez. Uh, thanks for sticking with us all this way. Uh, do we have some final thoughts on this? I know we've already kind of been talking about it the whole time, but... Um, yes. Um, these ones were random. Like, okay, we've talked about this before that magic stories because they're a sequence of short stories you can't get everything in and i'm sure wizards is like hey you have to hit these seven points or whatever these are important plot lines and you have whatever like only this many words to do it so they always feel a bit disjointed these ones were all over the place though (laughs) well maybe it's because we don't normally do side stories and they're a little more liberal in what they let you do with the side stories but it was like, Jesus, like characters are popping in and out of the story, like randomly. Um, like you, you just uh, doesn't line up with things that you were told previously. Um, there's like just super random, like flashbacks that don't end up mattering at all. Like it's just like, what is happening in these stories? Yeah, I um, I think I agree that doing the side stories just is a little bit different. Though normally I will say that each individual side story chapter is its own individual story. Right, it's a different 
thing because yeah. I read the side stories for Strixhaven, mm-hmm. and it was just going through each like legendary character from mm-hmm. each of the like, houses. Schools. Yeah, there was schools. And yeah, they, they were kind of or whatever. Yeah, houses. It was kind of cool, and it was just like, but it's uh, they're not interconnected in mm-hmm. any way. This was like legitimately a story. It felt mm-hmm. like the main storyline we might get in another set, mm-hmm. except like all over the place. Yeah. With like 40 characters that are just coming in and out at all times. I'm just like, I, I'm having a hard time keeping track of who's here and who's not. Yeah. <laughs> um, coming off of Dominaria United. Here, like what? Yeah. <laughs> coming off of the last one, which I liked quite a bit. Um, and mm-hmm. it felt like a pretty strong one where we had a, pretty constant like Karn's the one that we're following um yeah this felt like whenever you read the first or two the first two chapters and the five chapter thing and you're like wow we haven't really got anywhere yet you think you're pretty (laughs) screwed because they're going to shove everything at the end and it, it always feels so crammed and just like all over the place like how much better would this if you want to tell this battle of whatever like it could be cool if each chapter is a different person's perspective of that night or something like there Mm -hmm. are interesting ways you could do this where you have little bits beforehand. But I think the decision that was made was, uh, I don't know. It was not my favorite, but at least we got Kaya fucking killing a ghost, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Who has so much information yeah. for them. It's like Urza's right hand man. <laughs> as he's telling them all of the important details. Comes yeah. in so That was a ghost, guys. Fucking ghost. Like, all right. Kaya kills ghosts. That makes sense. So <laughs> oh, great one. Yeah. Yeah, chapter two was the best, but yep. anyway. <laughs> everything else kinda sus. Kinda sus. But there were some nice moments and mm-hmm. I think like that's the part I want to see more of. Mm-hmm. Like, cause we've read stories where there are literally no moments like that. Yeah. Um, so this was a step in the right direction where it's like, Hey, their friend just got murdered in front of them. <laughs> They're drinking and talking about that. Mm-hmm. Like that's nice to see. Cause usually it's just like, Holy shit. Did they get over that fast? <laughs> yeah. Or, or weird things. I remember when Gideon died, I think, Chandra had a weird moment where she was like sad because she had like a crush on him or something. I was like, when have you had a crush on Gideon? It's like, right. I don't know. Just that must have been before they decided that Chandra was gay. Through that, she like then Nissa consoled her, and then something happened. But and also, you know, without these stories, I would never have thought about Huatli's lips. So mm. I'm thinking about those lips again. Oh, Watley, warrior poet. Mm. Dinosaur lips. Dinosaur lips? I mean, I know she's not a dinosaur. She turns into a dinosaur. That's right. Sometimes, maybe? I don't know. No, she she makes dinosaurs. Summons, she calls them. Mm -hmm. It was wholly medium, but it felt very experimental. There were ups and, a lot of ups and downs on this one. Yeah. But overall, it's like, I think the Dominari United story was better. Yes. For example. Uh, and on a scale of stories, this one was like on average, it was mediocre, but it mm-hmm. had its ups and it had its, like it had some really bad moments, but it had some really nice ones. It's true. As well. So it was just like 
more all over the place than most stories. Mm-hmm. That's what I was trying to get. To. Like the variance for sure, was high. for sure, for sure. The mean was whatever. The variance was absolutely, insane. absolutely. Uh, maybe one episode we'll rank all the stories and uh, <laughs> talk about the best ones. But um, for now, it's time to rank some of our beers. Though before we do that, we should probably taste the last one. So Jeff, I think it's time for last call. All right, Jeff. One more time. Last beer of the night. What do we got? This is Stella Artois. Absolute classic from classic. Belgium. 1366. Mm-hmm. Um, if I remember correctly, this one dominated it, in round one. It dominated. Yeah. I think we started off with this in its episode and did not... Uh, nothing beat it we both loved it it's the best Um, so it's only fair that we end off with it then Mm -hmm. so that we know it wasn't just like first beer of the night uh love kind of luck but this is a belgian pilsner so that could i think everyone knows this one (laughs) but i i wonder if that has a little bit to do with why we like it. Maybe, you know, all the other ones we're drinking are lagers. This one's a Pilsner. Do we like Pilsners more? Is it possible? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, I haven't had so a sip of this not, yet, so. We're not quite doing a blind taste test either. We are tasting, like, beers we know back to back. Mm-hmm. Um, but the marketing probably still plays a bit of a role. But it's like, yeah, it really has been eye-opening. It's just like, oh, the, I thought I loved this beer. <laughs> like Sapporo. And then I try it next to something else, and I'm like, oh, this is this is bad. This is really <laughs> bad. Um, or I shouldn't say that. I don't like it at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure some people love it, but all right. Well, Jeff, we're in last call. Yes. It's do or die. Now's the time. Let's make some choices. We should start off with lowest beer first. So, uh, yeah. like we said earlier in the silver series, everything is silver. So we just rate it from silver uh, four to silver one, one being the highest, four being the lowest. And it's just crazy how all of our rating systems seem to just line up with how Arena ranks people yeah, as well. It's, it's just so weird. Um, I guess we just agree on how people should be ranked. Yeah, I guess so. I don't have my list necessarily ready because I just cracked this last one, mm-hmm. but I have my number four ready. I definitely so. have my number four ready. Uh, I'm going to go first. Mm-hmm. My number four, this was... Uh, I don't know, quite a surprise. This was a surprise to me. I did not think coming in that this beer would be my number four. Um, but it just it just was a clear, clear number four to me. So my number four is uh, Mill Street Organic. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to agree that Mill right? Street Organic was also my number four. So, so the narrative I've always had around this is like, people are like, oh... I like Mill Street Organic, that, like, I'm into craft beer. And I've always been like, that's fine. I wouldn't call it a craft beer at this point, because we, we talked about that a mm-hmm. little earlier. But I was always like, but sure, it's better than getting a Budweiser or getting a court. Like, it's probably a better beer than that. And that's always been my mm-hmm. sort of narrative about it. And now trying them next to each other, no, this mm-hmm. one is worse. This yeah. one is the worst one. This is the worst one. As soon as I took a sip, I'm like, well, there's your number four. No question. Yeah. Unless Stella is way worse than I remember, like, no, this one is the worst one. 
Um, so I'm happy to like see that you were feeling you didn't put it as number one or something. We no, this no, 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 discussion. no. I was like, I was like definitely not just me, page. right? This sucked. Um, <laughs> yeah, even with I don't know if it's like all of them are in cans, but Milstrug Organic tastes like tinny on the on the yeah. Top. I was like, what's going on? Yeah, um, there's just not a lot I liked about it. To yeah, be yeah, I didn't love it. So. Interesting, really, uh, really interesting. Organic, it's gonna be four. Um, I have my number three. All right, lay it on me because I, I have my number three as well. So I'm curious if if we have the same one. Silver three is Bud Light. Oh my God, me too. Yeah. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I could tell when you tasted that Budweiser after the mm-hmm. Bud Light. You're like, yeah, this one's better. Um, yeah. So. Yep. Uh, and I've always kind of known that Budweiser is better than Bud Light. That's like my thing. But this is what's hard about giving these ratings is that, yes, drinking the one Budweiser after that Bud Light does be like, yeah. yes, I'd rather drink a Budweiser. Or if I have to choose one and I'm going to have one beer, I'd rather have a Budweiser over a Bud Light. However, if I'm going to spend all day drinking beer or drinking a beer or whatever, I might choose Bud Light over Budweiser just because it's 1% less in alcohol so I can last longer and it won't fill me up just a little bit. Because because the first thing I said when we, I tasted the Bud Light was like, mm, it tastes like apple juice. And that's like, sometimes it kind of does. And it's like this juicy thing. It is tasty, but you miss a little bit of stuff. So Budweiser is definitely better than Bud Light. It just might depend on the occasion. Yeah, and, and that's absolutely fair, right? Like, they serve different purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably everyone sort of knows in their heart, Budweiser is the beer that whatever this company wants to make, and Bud Light is like the, hey, sometimes you want to drink 30 beers while camping, and mm-hmm. if we lower the percentage, that's way more palatable. Like, that's yeah. so much easier to do. Um so they're making concession. They're optimizing on a different thing. It's not just what they think is the best tasting beer. It's like other factors are involved. But it's nice to like confirm that here. Because mm-hmm. when I drank the Bud Light, I was like, yeah, whatever. Okay, this is Bud Light. And then when I drank the Budweiser, I'm like, it tastes the same but better. It, mm-hmm. like it, when we had them back to back, it's like it just is. And I think starting with Bud Light in particular really made me realize that where it's like, yeah, this one just it's the same thing that I just had, but, but better. better. Mm-hmm. It just tastes better. Mm-hmm. So that'll bring me to my number two. And this is like the decision I was delaying, but I've had enough of this recent beer that I think it's, it's a clear, clear choice in my mind. I'd like to say that I think the jump from two to three is huge. Mm-hmm. Like the silver two is way better than the silver three. Um, but the, the rest of the jumps are not quite as big. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's Budweiser, silver, silver two for me. Yeah, yeah I, I think we wrote this one together almost because Budweiser <laughs> is also my silver two. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's just too hard to, to kick Stella off the top rung. Well, I went into it being like, let's not, like I, I think I like Stella, so let's not try to let that guide me mm-hmm. too much right and that's why you know at first Stella was at the beginning now it's at the end so mm-hmm. um, but when I had the Stella I was just like this is just 
better than what I've been drinking all night. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to have it on both sides. When you've already had three beers, the beer is better. And when you haven't had any beer, the beer is also better. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I think I just, I just do like Stella. I th- yeah, it just has more going on. The, the sweetness of Budweiser is nice. And every time I drink it, it mm-hmm. is very sweet. Um, so I do right. like it. And <laughs> Jeff and I are in a spot where like Budweiser was a, was a big front runner for like the eye opening experience of like, wow, yeah. wait, Budweiser. I never good. drank it before we did this. And now it's like my, one of my go-to just buy a macro brew kind of. Yeah. If I'm going to go to a bar and be drinking all day, like yeah, Budweiser, Bud Light, um, obviously Budweiser is better, but if I'm going to have like seven of them, I'd probably just stick to Bud Light right. or start with a Budweiser and then change. But yeah. like we said at the beginning of the podcast, we don't want to be snobs. So, Hey, Bud's a good beer, but Stella is still, yeah. we, we just like Stella a little better. Yeah. But I was shocked at how much better. I think Budweiser is than Bud Light. You know, we talked about how like they are. Diff- four different things mm-hmm. but just having the back to back to me that's what I was saying like that's the biggest jump for me I thought they'd be kind of pretty close if I had to pick beforehand I'd guess Budweiser would win because again slightly more flavor um, but having the back to back I was like man that extra percent gets you like a lot of flavor yeah that or whatever they else whatever else they do with the recipe or the other way taking away a percent costs you a lot of flavor yeah I don't know there, there's probably um, uh, the the volume or the amount of ingredients they're using. They just use a bit less, but the same amount of water. And so that mm-hmm. makes it uh, have less food for the yeast, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why it comes through as being lighter. But anyway, wow, this is the first Silver Series where we have agreed on every single... I was about to say that. Yeah. We never agree, right? We never agree. I think it was even relatively rare that we picked the same number one, let alone it agree was, on the whole list. It was very, yeah, that was, that's true because, you know, we weren't on, we weren't on the same page with Bud Weiser or Bud Light for those episodes. Mm-hmm. So, um, being on the page for all of them. So Stella looks like it's the front runner and it looked like it earlier and I, it's hard yeah. because... You know, some of these you're looking back being like, wow, maybe my idea of what a silver beer is might change a bit. Being like, oh, maybe after the end of this, Stella isn't that. And it's like... Fast forward to, you know, episode 200. We're like, well, you know, Stella's a mythic beer, obviously. And like... (laughs) I mean, it's one of... It's, you know, macro brews can either be like silver or they just jump so high because... right. (laughs) <laughs> once once it's exits silver it's not like it just goes to gold because gold's usually mm-hmm. just like fine but like sometimes they become your favorites and they just gold like is actually like skip it, a it's bunch. fine and i probably won't drink it again yeah so you're all the way up to platinum where it's like i would drink this again i would drink this again and i like it it's solid so like you jump straight past yeah um anyway does that mean our rating system is flawed Probably, but we still like it. I would argue that any rating system is flawed, and we like the one we have. Yes, exactly. Exactly, exactly. Oh, but with that, this is closing time. Oh, what an episode. I don't think I've laughed 
so much in an episode ever. That was definitely the most laughing. <laughs> I was telling Jeff during a beer break that I thought I had accidentally taken an edible because I was like, why am I laughing so much? This is so intense. <laughs> yeah. um, that was uh, wonderful. So anyway, if you want to talk to us about how much we laugh or if we should laugh more, uh, you can find us at Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, you can't tell us to laugh more on Arena, but you might play against us our username. It would be Arena Regulars Podcast. If you want to talk to me personally, you can find me at Zulberg. That is Z-E-U-L-B-E-R-G on Twitter and Instagram. But Jeff, where can they find you? Best place is on our Discord. I will be regular Jeff. Um, just join our Discord. Jump into some great chats we have there. The link is in the show notes. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes. Follow us on Spotify and any place that you are listening to us right now. All of those reviews mean a uh, a lot actually it really helps us get out into the world and get our um seo out there so um yeah it's one of those uh, algorithm things so if you just do it it doesn't matter to you it matters a lot to us so, algorithm what the hell is that yeah uh help us out a lot who are you gonna call geist hunter That's fine.